Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything? Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Increase the Reality with Shane Jones. What's up, guys, and welcome back to the ever-expanding show, Inquiries of Our Reality. Today, I have for you guys a very fascinating interview about hidden history, ancient America, giants, Sasquatch, all that fascinating stuff, and the possible connection between all of them, of course. As we get farther in, of course, we theorize and we get into some crazy stuff, so this one's definitely going to be an awesome episode, and I definitely think you guys are going to enjoy it. But uh, before we can get into this awesome conversation, of course, we got to knock out the front of house stuff real quick. So uh, if you guys are enjoying the show, if you guys don't mind leaving a five-star review, I would definitely appreciate it. Uh, if you guys go on to iTunes and you guys leave an awesome typed-out review, I will read it on the show, of course, and give you guys a shout-out. Uh, if you guys don't mind sharing the show with a friend, if you guys enjoy it, or if you know that you have some friends that may also enjoy some of these uh, ideas, um, if you don't mind passing it over, definitely appreciate it. Good way to help the show grow. And uh, the only way the show is ever going to grow is with your guys' help. So anything you guys do, going out of your normal things that you do, I definitely appreciate. Um, if you guys want to get some awesome updates on the show and know anything that's going on in the future, um, updates, uh, new episodes dropping, uh, you guys can go and check it out on social media. Um, I am the most active, of course, on Instagram. So if you guys want to pop onto that one, everything kind of gets pushed onto the the Facebook from there. Uh, if you guys want to have some awesome conversations with some awesome people, uh, you guys can pop on to the Telegram or the Discord groups. Uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, whether you're an author, researcher, experiencer, uh, anything that's an open-minded conversation, or you just like getting deep into some theories, I would definitely love to talk to you on the show. So don't hesitate to shoot me a message on Instagram, or you guys can also email me at increaseofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Uh, you can also go to the link tree and up at the top, there's a submission form that'll go directly to my email. And uh, more often than not, I know I say this on every single show, but things seem to go to the spam or junk folder when I send emails back. I do respond to every single email that I get. So make sure that it doesn't get lost in there because I definitely want to talk to you guys. Uh, if you guys want to look into more awesome work that I do, you guys can go and check out Bizarre Encounters with my two awesome co-hosts, Orin and Jenny. Uh, we get really deep into exactly what the name says, Bizarre Encounters, uh, be it cryptid-related, alien-related, paranormal-related, anything like that. If that fascinates you, go and check that show out. And if you want to check out anything that I do, um, I keep everything under the umbrella of Open Minds Media, so you guys can go and check that out on Instagram and uh, get updated on not just one show, but all the shows all at once. 
And if you guys want to support the show, there's multiple ways to do so. Uh, you guys can pop onto the Patreon. There you'll get ad-free episodes, early access to episodes, live episodes, live replays of episodes if you're not able to make it. Uh, there's going to be exclusive giveaways going into the future. Um, I'm always building up over there. So if you guys want to go and check that out, uh, there will also be some Patreon exclusive shows that will be happening in the future, of course, too. But there's multiple tiers. Go and check out which one seems to suit you the best. Uh, you guys can also donate to the show directly if you want to uh, through Cash App, PayPal, Venmo. Uh, you guys can even go to Red Circle, which is the RSS host, and go all the way down to the bottom, and there will be a thing that says donate to the show. Uh, anything you guys do for that, it's going to go directly towards the show, uh, helping to build up the show, helping to make it so that I can do more events and hopefully go out and meet some of you guys more this year. So anything you guys do, I'll give you a shout out, of course. I d definitely appreciate it. Uh, you guys can also support the show by going and checking out the Open Minds Media merch store. There you'll find merchandise for anything that's under the Open Minds Media umbrella. So of course, this show, Bizarre Encounters, anything that I do, even the, even the sub little shows, I have uh, logos for those, and of course, and I have t-shirts for those on the Open Minds Media merch store. And uh, if you guys want to go and support another creator, you guys can go and check out Crypto Theology. Joe's killing it over there with his cryptid, alien, uh, paranormal designs, always adding new stuff. So I guarantee you guys will find something you like. But everything that I've mentioned, all available under one link, which is L-I-N-K-T-R period E-E slash Increase of Our Reality Podcast. And with that, let's get into the show. Please welcome to the show, Travis from Giants of Ancient America. Welcome to the show, man. Man, it's good to be here. Uh, I am honored to be with you here. Absolute pleasure, man. I've uh, been listening to your work for a long time, and it's really exciting to finally get to have sit down and have a conversation with you on the show. So I guess to uh, kind of give people an idea about who you are, if they haven't heard about you, uh, why don't you know, let them know a little bit about what you do and uh, exactly what kind of research you dive into. Okay. Well, I mean, to some people, this may be uh, quite strange, but what I do is I simply just look into old newspapers and try to find accounts where uh, giants, prehistoric giants were reported to be buried in burial mounds or wherever they found them. Um, and so that's what I do. I just, I, I look through that and I compile it onto uh, an Instagram page called giants underscore of underscore ancient America. And also on a Facebook account of the same, same uh, title. But yeah, so that's what I do. I, so when you go to that page, you just, you're going to see a lot of, you know, basically prehistoric history that's not been taught in our modern day school system. Um, and it probably never will be taught there. <laughs> of course uh, not. <laughs> I say you got the Smithsonian trying to hide it left and right, of course. So it's never going to make it into public schools. <laughs> yeah. It's not their favorite topic. I don't guess it seemed to be, it seemed to be at one point though. They, they seem to be all, all into that, but. Yeah, you look into old stuff and it's rampant everywhere. And now it's like as soon as anything's found, it's hidden just in, just as fast as it's found. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or maybe that was what their point was all along, to hurry up and act like they're into it and then grab it up and just go stuff it somewhere. Yeah, I mean, Who knows? At, at that point, too, you got a bunch of people doing research for you. And then once you get everything kind of covered and you have a basic idea of it, then you pull it back and hide all of it. But in turn, you pretty much had somebody else do the work for you and then you hide it afterwards. <laughs> 
Right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on point there. But uh, sure. kind of going back to the beginning, uh, what exactly inspired you to start your page and kind of start diving into this research? Okay. Oh, gosh. Okay. So starting out, um, of course, I, you know, I grew up and I heard stories like from the Bible, like stories of David and Goliath, you know, and and I always believed that there were giants. You know, I just I just knew it to be true. Um, but I kind of put that on the back burner, right? You know, always just, it was there in my mind. Um, fast forward to about 2010. Um, I, I got connected for the first time with my grandfather, which my mother's dad. And, and he said he was Celtic and I was like, well, I've heard of that. And all I could think of was like Enya, you know, the singer. I was like, well, I don't really know the Celts that well. So I guess let me do some historical study on them. And as, as I was doing that, I found out they're kind of a mystical people and they kind of just appeared into history around the black sea and like right North. Actually the black sea is real close to the Caucasus, which is right North of the biblical land. And they just kind of appeared around the 600s uh, BC. And, but as I was studying them, I noticed that they had the custom of burial mounds and within the mounds, sometimes there were these giants and I didn't quite expect to find that. And it's like, okay, well, I knew of giants, but I didn't, that's not what I was looking for. I was just doing this simple study. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I got online, I found a guy who had a book. uh, His name is Fritz Zimmerman. He had done like 13 years of study um, right around and not far from Michigan. It's like Indiana, Ohio, like the Ohio Valley. And there were a ton of the mound builders up there and he was calling them Amorites, which, you know, I had already kind of come across that too. Like I was tracing these peoples from the biblical area and finding them in like Western Europe, um, Great Britain area, Ireland area, France. Um, and so I was already following them. They, they were from the Bible land, you know, that's where these giants came from as they were moving um, out of there. So at that point I bought his book and I thought that's pretty cool. Um, but I was like, I really want to look cause a lot of it, like it didn't have a lot of pictures of newspaper articles and I wanted to see them like for myself. Mm-hmm. Like I believe that they were true, but I started to uh, research them for myself. I was like, okay, there's a lot of these. So I'm just going to start a page and start just putting them on this page so I can kind of keep track of it. Right. So that's what I started doing. So here I am. Uh, I think I started that in like 2013, actually, when I started like posting the giants. Um, So you're like 10 years deep now. (laughs) Yeah, I'm 10 years deep on it. So. So when it comes yeah. to the the giants in particular, um, kind of a, kind of a split question on this one. Do you kind of believe that you said that they kind of were first spotted in one particular area? Do you think more so that that may have been like the start of the giants, or do you think that that may have been like what was left of the giants? Because when you kind of look at nature in itself, it seems like you know dinosaurs during all that time with the plants and everything like that, everything was a lot bigger. So, assumably, mm-hmm. if there was people around, they would have been a lot bigger to fit the environment with these different animals. So, 
kind of looking at it from that perspective, I kind of wonder if the Giants were like the originators and then maybe they kind of got pushed into one kind of location and then that's when like smaller humans, because it kind of started adapting with the environment, started fitting the rest of the world. And then once they were kind of pushed back into that corner and everything else started getting smaller, maybe they kind of realized that they were able to kind of, they're bigger than everything else and they're able to kind of push their way back out around it. But uh, like what, what kind of perspective you kind of come at it with? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I, yeah, I've heard of that. And so like, so if we, if we take back the flood narrative, like before the flood, it seems to be that something happened after that cataclysm of, you know, the water or what did it do to the atmosphere? Like before then, like plants were big, uh, dinosaurs were here. Um, I don't really know much about dinosaurs, so I'm not going to act like I know <laughs> if they were here before, after, or if they're still here or not. But you know what I'm saying? Like the, these big things, like your your point to your point. Because um, I, I mean, I follow this other page that has he's finding these things that look like giants that were like huge. Like, are you talking about the mountains taller. that almost look like they're yeah. shaped like giants? Like they were like yeah, fossilized, right. like human remains, possibly. So, right. So like, why are they so big? But to your point, like maybe those were before the flood and they were just huge, you know, after the flood, I don't think they were as that, they were that big. Um, I don't know if that answers your question really, but. I mean, they could have even dated back farther than the dinosaurs at that point because they find uh, like the giant mountains that look like they're almost like cut off trees at one point. So, I mean, if there was supposedly seven great cataclysms, according to like what the Egyptian priests used to say, you know, they could have Mm -hmm. been around from like before the first cataclysm where everything was even bigger than the dinosaurs and maybe the dinosaurs were a couple cataclysms in, you know? Yeah. 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 For sure. And so like, you know, and the Bible says, you know, the giants were, they were here in the, the days of Noah. Right. So like they were there before the flood and after the flood. So whenever these sons of God, the Bible calls them sons of God, but basically they're just watcher angels came down and created giants with the women of earth. And so before the flood, they, they might've been way bigger after the flood. That's just kind of my take on it because it just kind of makes sense. But obviously I wasn't there. (laughs) I mean, if you come at it from the biblical angle, I mean, they may not have even necessarily existed until the fallen angels started breeding with humans and started creating these like Nephilim. Cause right. Right. I mean, like Goliath could have been like the last that was left of them too. Cause I mean, even going back to the Bible, there's still beyond like the parts that were kind of taken out. Uh, there's still giants that are still within it, you know, but they're like very, very slim and few in between. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's strange too, because like some, some of these uh, like passages or in the Bible, it doesn't really go out and say that these were giants. Like for example, when Joshua comes in to the land and he starts all these Amorite Kings come down and to fight him. And, but if you don't know what the Amorite was like, cause it doesn't really make a big deal about that. It just treats them like they're people, right? It just, just this group of people. But when you go look, there is a verse and God is talking about, he's like, I destroyed the Amorite. It's like an Amos. Um, it says, I destroyed the Amorite before them, even though his height was as like the cedar trees and his strength was like Oak trees. I was like, Oh, wait a second. So just one quick verse or one quick passage is just going to mention that. And so it makes more sense why there was a war and it makes sense why God, you know, helped fight these off because he was throwing like hailstones down on them to help them win the battle. Cause it was so tough. 
And so there was a lot of those dudes that they kind of pushed out of the Holy Land. So, I mean, they kind of seem to spread everywhere else too. Because if you look into a lot of like ancient societies, like just just a couple, yeah. just to throw a few in, like the Sumerians, they have the story of like the Epic of Gilgamesh. And if you break it down, you know, it seems like Gilgamesh was bigger. Was a, was a big was a big guy. He was he was a giant. And then you get into the yeah. stuff in Egypt, and you have all the giant doorways. And then in the, all the depictions, you know, some people like to think about it as maybe it's just like a vantage point thing. But it seems like the royalty they made a lot bigger than the average people. And maybe we need to look yeah. at it from a different sense that if these giants were pushed out of like the Holy Land, they started going down and maybe they started assuming these uh, positions of like royalty uh, throughout different areas because they were so much bigger than the people they could easily roll over them and then that's kind of where everything else kind of came in where people started taking it upon themselves and it wasn't just God trying to get rid of the giants but people realized that you know 10 of us can take one of these things down we just need to team up and then they can't have control over us anymore right yeah like like uh, the ones in uh, was it Nevada or somewhere out there kind of in the cliff uh cliff dweller area and and the red-haired giants where they kind of push them into the cave the Paiutes um pushed all these giants in the into the cave because they were like cannibalistic and they just wouldn't stop being that and so they banded together and and got them into the cave and burned them out or smoked them so yeah i mean and it seems like when it comes to like the native american stuff too um, depending on the tribe, it seems like some of them almost refer to like the Sasquatch beings as almost being like giants too. So at that extent too, I almost wonder if maybe there's different variations of giants is a one possibility or two, maybe they started breeding with other things and that's when they started getting like s- becoming a little bit different, you know, like, um, yeah. just like one idea of looking at it is that if, uh, not looking at it from the biblical angle, but looking at it from like a different angle, um, mm-hmm. if you had something that was giant and it starts breeding with humans, then you kind of have like the smaller variation of it where you might have yeah. the, uh, like the red haired giants, for example. And then from there, um, maybe just theoretically, like how, like a boar would be, if you like let a pig be wild in the wild for a while, it starts growing hair right. and developing hair and kind of starting oh, yeah, to adapt 100%. to that environment. And that's possibly where like some of the Sasquatch stuff could have came from is that they were the, uh, the giants that decided to take off to the woods so that they wouldn't get killed yeah. by the other tribes. And maybe they possibly changed like their eating habits where instead of eating people, yeah. they're going after animals and different foliage. And then, uh, yeah. then you have all the giants or the, all those Sasquatch. And maybe that's part of the reason why the government tries so hard to hide the Sasquatch stuff too, is because maybe they know that there's some type of like genetic tie to the old yeah, world giants. Yeah. Well, I got a story on that too. Like I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to tell you um, about it. It was, I, it's one of these articles I came across and it was in the Ozark mountains in Missouri. And it was from the 19, early 1900s or late, I think it was early 1900s. This guy was seeing these footprints in the snow and he started, but it looked like it had claws on it. Right. But they were giant footprints. Were they like downward claws or like forward facing claws? Well, they were kind of, they, they weren't really claws. So as the story goes along, he didn't recognize what it was, but he followed, he tracked him for a while. And then he heard this noise, like he wouldn't stop tracking this. And he heard a noise and this boulder like comes rolling down and he looks up on the side of this ridge. And there's basically, he describes a Sasquatch, but it's not. He said it was holding a club. It was all hairy. It was a hairy giant man. But he had, was covered in hair, but he was wearing a loincloth and some rude moccasins. And he had a massive club in his hand like he had just lodged a stone. And so it kind of, you made me think of that when you were mentioning, you know, what if 
you know, people go to the woods and you start like, like a pig, certain things will happen. And I, and I saw an article about that the other day that humans could grow a lot more hair and what would cause that to happen. Who knows? Maybe like you're saying, change your diet, change your surroundings. And- Just a necessity for where you are too. Cause assumably it's one of those things that we wear a lot of clothes. So our body adapts yeah. to not need all that hair. <laughs> but if you're running around yeah. for another, for like two years without wearing like a shirt, for example, like who knows how hairy you might become because it's needed. Like, I mean, perfect example. Yeah, I, have, I have a Sphinx, you know, like the hairless cats. And if you don't yeah. put sweaters on them, they'll start growing hair to keep themselves warm and it starts growing uh, in thicker and then they won't be bald anymore. So it's not even just like generations. This could happen. This could happen, you know, within like a season Pretty of quick. an animal. Yeah. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. I tell you what, like I wear pants a lot, like hair, hair doesn't really have a chance on the back of my leg because it, it, it's always getting rubbed off. <laughs> so yeah, you got a good point right there. <laughs> yeah. So I thought that was a cool story though, that I found, um, uh, I wish I had it in front of me, but I'm, you know, I'm more trying to stick to just, you know, giant skeletons unearthed and the different characteristics of them, like be it like the wide jaws or the, the, no, the no foreheads, right? Like a lot of them had sloping foreheads or no forehead. It just kind of above the eye socket, it would go back. Um, weird stuff like that, or just the thickness of the bones or the teeth were like horses teeth. Um, so that, that is just fascinating to me because he's like, okay, we're looking at something different here than, um, normal people, mm-hmm. you know, there's something going on here and, and who were these people? They deserve a story. They deserve a place in history. Um, and it's not being told. And to me, that's just fascinating that they're, they were here in our backyards, yeah, literally, man. Like the gi- like when it comes to the giant stuff as far as like America goes, I mean, you hear a lot about like the the giant sloths for example, but I'm one of the people that believes that a lot of the giant sloth stuff that was bound forever. I almost feel like it, like there could have been giant sloths, but also it could have been another cover up for if people are finding giant skeletons that the Smithsonian and like normal, you know, uh, like history scholars can kind of just cover it up with, "Oh, that's a giant sloth. That's not that's not a giant. That's not a Sasquatch." Like don't, don't worry yeah. about it. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, and man, there's, there's so many burial mounds out there too. Still, you know, I don't recommend people digging into them, but I see them a lot when I'm hiking around, but, and they're not always just mounds of earth. Sometimes they're cairns like sto like boulder piles and stuff like that. And some of these are big boulders. You, I couldn't pick this up. One of them I saw is like a, the capstone on this pile of rock in the middle of nowhere. It's not like a farmer did it. It's like a five foot long, you know, inch and a half thick by like three foot wide rock. Like you can't move that. Like who put that there? You know? So it seems like a lot of the uh, Sasquatch like burial mounds seem very similar to like the ancient American like uh, giant uh, burial mounds. So I almost kind of wonder too, if coming at it from a little yeah. bit of a different angle, you know, there was yeah. a bunch of different variations of like human being type beings and they all started interbreeding and they all kind of created down to one farther down the line. So if a lot of these things are very similar, maybe there was multiple variations of like giant human like things and they've all kind of interbred through the years. And maybe like the last remnants left of giants are like the Sasquatch, or maybe there's also some like like their life expectancy could have been significantly longer too. So like when you get into um, things like the giant of uh, Kandahar, for example, um, maybe that's yeah. a giant that was like the old variations of them that was still left. That could have been a couple hundred years old, 
or right. I mean, or they could have even had shorter life expectancies because if something's that big, maybe it started kind of working down on the body more, or maybe again, maybe they were just adapted in a different build than like what humans are, where if you have that yeah. pure giant DNA, it's able to hold its own weight and maintain itself. But if you mix the human DNA with it, which is where you have all the really tall people that start having like issues with their, their joints and muscles, maybe it's the yeah. fault in that genetic code is the human yeah. DNA. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's a good point. But yeah, and that's a good point too about the mounds too. Like a lot of times you really don't know what you're looking at. You know it's a burial, but what's there, right? Like what's buried there? Have you uh, found much about like people actually really like digging into these these mounds and like what what exactly have they found if you have? Oh, like the the ones that I see? Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure that like uh, nowadays they try to make people kind of avoid it altogether. But back when they were on yeah. the giant stuff in the early 1900s, there had to have yeah. been mounds that they completely took apart to find what was inside oh. in, in America, yeah, not just yeah. South America. Because I know they were doing it in South America, but like North America, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They were digging it. And a lot of these that they were digging into were um, it was really an accident. They weren't always archaeologists. It was like maybe they were building a railroad. A lot of guys that were building, building the railroads, you know, going west. They would dig through what they thought was a hill and then they would find all these giants. So what was kind of like the size idea also that they were finding in there? Like what's, what's like a, like, is there like a range like a of size. sizes they were finding? Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of them that were like around seven foot, but there was also the weird thing with these giants though, you could have a seven foot giant, but you could also have a 10 foot giant or a nine foot giant in the same mound. That's a huge difference. Like us today, we don't vary that much, right? Mm-mm. Like we we vary in inches. We don't vary in feet, which is really strange. Uh, I can read you. Let me let me read one or two here just to kind of set the stage of it. Oh, this is a massive one. I don't know if we want to hit that guy. I mean, you're more than welcome to. I mean, I'm not cutting oh, yeah. you off on time, so. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Okay, let's see. But here, here's one. Um, Oh, we can hit all of them because I believe, uh, you know, I, I believe that it was 10 foot tall, this one over here, because it's that's what that's what they said. And another thing with these giants, sometimes the bones were so old and I think maybe they weren't so old, but it depends on where they were buried. So you can get moisture in the ground. And when it makes contact with air, it's either sometimes the only thing that they could retain was part of the skull because it was thicker. Um, some of the other bones were kind of like would crumble once air, uh, it made contact with the air, but not all the time. I mean, even uh, the so weight too, a- if they were burying them in layers and it wasn't just all buried at once, you know, if you have something that's yeah. like 50 years older than the thing on top of it, and then you're just putting more yeah. weight on top of it, you're going to start crushing the stuff on the bottom, especially as it starts For getting sure. delicate and more brittle from starting to decay over time. Right. Right. Okay. So this is a, this is from 1897 in Ohio. Um, so Chillicothe, Ohio, May 31st. Ten skeletons were found in two mounds by Dr. Loveberry, curator of the Ohio State University Museum. One that of a giant fully eight feet tall. It is the most notable find yet. Okay, so ten skeletons, two mounds, and one giant, sounds like. Uh, So they weren't all giants all the time. Sometimes they were, though. So... And that's what I like to make a point of, too. It's like, okay, it seemed to be these prehistoric peoples, this seems like their hierarchy were giants, right? I don't think all the people living with them were giants. 
So it's like they're leaders where the Giants, because they really didn't have a say. But when it comes to those mounds, too, it almost kind of reminds me of like uh, ancient uh, Egypt, for example, where when somebody that was royalty would pass away, they would also bury their people that would follow them with them or other possessions that they enjoyed. So maybe if, uh, you know, there was a hierarchy of a giant that the people were following and maybe if the people finally revolted one day and didn't want a giant to be in charge anymore than anybody that was like associating with them and like taking power by being a follower of the giant they also killed off yeah. and buried them with their giant like all right yeah you want to be part the, of them you can to, be with them <laughs> yeah go to the afterlife with him you know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right yeah that happened a lot and I mean, it happened all over the world like that. Not, I mean, they would they would kill a horse and send a horse with them, right? Or a chariot or something. The you cats know, were famous, mounds. too, that they used to put a little uh, little spot in the bottom of the sarcophagus so that they would put, like, ancient pharaohs' uh, cats and stuff with them, too. Oh, just take his pet with him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Oh, let's see. Uh, let's... Dude, I have some... Man, there's some cliff dwellers here um, that were like eight feet in height. I can read this. Let me read this one. It's, it's a little bit longer, but I'll maybe I won't read all of it just so I don't read old newspapers all night. But <laughs> let's see. Okay, this is 1912 in New Mexico, 40 miles from uh, Deming, New Mexico. Uh, let's get here. Let's get started. Surveyor Edward Carter and his Corps of assistance while at their work on the Mimbreeze River, about 40 miles north of Deming, a few days ago, found what is undoubtedly an old Indian burial ground. The party found a group of more than 100 graves. Now, okay, so I don't know. Okay, over here in this part of America, it seems like it wasn't always, they weren't always burial mounds. Like sometimes they were just like stones and stuff covered up. I've, I've, I've come across that to where it's more like a flagstone type grave. It doesn't really mention mounds, but it, they found a bunch of graves. So I, they don't really get too much detail what they look like, but they weren't always burial mounds. So they weren't always quote unquote mound builders, but a lot of times they were. I almost wonder if the stones too are also because of uh, like when you dig into things about them being worried about things coming back to life. I wonder if they yeah. purposely put stones and heavy things on top of them thinking that if they came back to life, it would be harder for them to get back up. So it was more <laughs> as like a precaution that they were like, all right, put a bunch that's, of weight on this thing in case it comes back. <laughs> hey, that's a good point. Yeah, because they did think a lot about the afterlife and what could happen, you know, or, you know what I mean? Like, and assumingly, if you were a giant that tried to take power through that, you're also kind of inferring the part that you have mystical abilities. So they're probably extra yeah. scared of that. Or even if you didn't necessarily possess <laughs> them, you're just scaring them with that. So it's not just, I'm not just a giant. I'm also able to do these things to you after yeah. I pass away. So don't mess with me. <laughs> yeah. Golly. Yes, for sure. So they dug up several graves and in each one of them was found the skeleton of a human being. The graves that were opened were found to be lined with large cobblestones. The bottom of the graves averaged about three feet from the surface of the earth. The bones found were in a position that led the men to believe the Indians must have been about eight feet in height. They were in a sitting posture and had a fire clay bowl over their heads. Both the bowls and the bones crumbled to dust shortly after they were exposed to the air. The skulls and jawbones are more than twice the average size and teeth 
were nearly as large as the teeth of a horse. In the graves were found many fine specimens of turquoise beads. The party returned to Deming Saturday evening and brought with them a few specimens of the bones and other articles found. So they opened, there were a hundred graves at least. They opened a few or several, and in each one of those, they seemed to average about eight feet in height. Just by looking, even though they were buried in a sitting posture, the size of the legs, the length of the legs, and well, they must have been pretty large, like massive jaws that were doubled our size and horse, horse-like teeth, which, you know, it's pretty big. It was a horse tooth, like, I don't know, like a quarter inch by a quarter inch. I haven't looked at a horse's tooth in a while, so. And I think they're the big flat teeth, kind of like how a lot of people depict them where that seems like they have a mouthful of almost like molars rather than actual like canine yeah. teeth where they're pulling flesh apart. And we we're kind of talking a little bit about about it before the show, where I was kind of theorizing that maybe they had those type of teeth because they're more so intended for like crushing bone rather than like pulling things apart because they didn't need to grab and pull meat because they already had the strength in their hands. They just needed something to be able to crush up the bones that's within what they're eating. Oh yeah, yeah. And you know, there's good stuff in bone supposedly, like bone soup or whatever, like the marrow. Like if you're cooking up a chicken or something like that. So maybe you're right. And even connecting into the Sasquatch there. thing, one of the main aspects that people uh, seem to find when they find uh, animals that have been attacked by what they believe are Sasquatch, it seems like they snap the bones and suck the marrow out. So that's another detail that seems like it might be some kind of common link between the two. Ooh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I feel like I've heard of that somewhere too, of somebody finding bones like that. Oh, gosh. Not my bones, man. I wanted my bones <laughs> snapped in half. But you know, those things have so much power. You're like, you know, I've been on hikes and I and I go and I see these. I've seen these trees that are like, you know, four inches around. And the thing's been grabbed and twisted. And I'm like, okay, wait. So my bone is a lot more brittle than that tree that something grabbed and twisted over. I mean, this isn't a tornado type twist. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like like a trail mark type twist. Like, and this this tree just twisted over. It's like, good grief! That could easily be my neck or my <laughs> bone or something like that. <laughs> you just gotta so, hope that uh, it seems it. like the Sasquatch are more nice and try to hide from people. So theoretically, if they are some kind of descendants Gosh. of giants, that might be why they try to hide so much. Is because in the past they know that uh, pretty much humans yeah. ran out and killed every giant they possibly could. <laughs> So they just yeah, hide now because yeah, they know yeah. their descendants. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, even though we, we're smaller, they probably get to see, they get to look up and see these big military helicopters flying over from time to time. And they realize that they're a lot smaller than some of that stuff. <laughs> so we, we've got big toys or, or big, you know, big machines that we could fight them with if we needed to. I don't know. Gotta love know, being maybe, technologically maybe advanced. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it may be to our advantage a little bit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when I'm out and about, I try to be respectable, respectful of my the area I'm in, not to leave any trash, not to be a nuisance and all that stuff. So surely that helps too. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I know that you have some Sasquatch encounters, which I'd love to dig into um, a little bit more into into this. But uh, as far as um, like giants go. Uh, what's like some of the more like recent uh, discoveries that you found? Because I mean, there's still always people that claim that they've had sightings of them. But like from like your work, at least, what's like the most recent um, sightings oh, okay. of actual live giants and of oh, like bones yeah. that have been found? Okay, so 
let me see here. Like in newspaper articles, probably, probably the most recent one about giants that were discovered um, in a newspaper comes from 1907 up in northern Alaska. Um, and I, a buddy of mine took this story, and he's more of a genealogy type guy. Um, and he kind of looked into this and he, he found out the guy is a real guy. Um, and so like when I found the story, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. Um, but it seems to be legit. So let's go for it here. Um, now one thing that turned me off on it was his last name was Barnum. Okay. So there's, there's a Barnum and Bailey circus. <laughs> That's exactly where my mind research. went. Yeah, so when I'm doing research, I'll, I'll come across Barnum all the time. And I was like, oh, shoot, another article about this guy. Because it, it'll be giants will be in there. He's looking for freak-type people or giants. And so the search words will bring him up because, you know, it's bringing up the word giant. And it'll, it's like, oh, it's about Barnum and Bailey Circus. He's looking – he's advertising here. And he did a lot of advertising in the in that time period. But this guy has the same last name. So kind of like when I looked at it, I was a little skeptical at first, but – I mean, that kind of goes two ways, too, because it makes you wonder if, one, he's either packing stuff up to get people into a circus, or two, he's one of the people that's truly interested, so he's actually finding the solid research. So it's kind of, you don't know which way to really go on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, he might have been doing everybody a favor and, like, actually a truth seeker. So that's a good point. (laughs) Yeah, so this is a 1907 Los Angeles Herald um, race of white giants in northern Alaska. Okay, here we go. May 4th, the Rev, the Reverend Francis Barnum, SJ, at present in Chicago, says he has discovered a race of white giants in northern Alaska. Uh, let's see here. Gosh, where? Oh, they are, let's say, immense in stature and muscular development. Some of these things are like a little bit blurry sometimes. Uh, using, uh, what's that called? Something archive or chronicling America. Is that the one you're using? Yeah, Chronicling America. Yeah, and I try to like edit them to where you can read them better. So each one, I, I tweak it a little bit so I can see it better. So like sometimes they're pretty fuzzy. Oh, yeah, uh, I say I do some digging on there too. Yeah, there's some you'll find that almost look like they got like wet before they scanned them and put them onto yeah. the system. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So this is kind of a long article. I won't read all of it, but it says they were immense in stature and muscular development. Uh, members of one tribe found beyond the settlements of Alaskan Indians north of what is known as the Eskimo area. During a stay of more than eight years among these people, the priest did not find a single tribesman who was not much taller, larger and taller than the average American. So like of all the men of that tribe up there, they were much taller than we are today. And that was in 1907. It was written in 1907. So he would have been in the late 1800s living. He lived with them for like, because he was like a missionary guy. So he was all up, up in these areas where nobody goes that often. Like no modern man was going up there. Even now, though, you start looking into like the demographics of like uh, Canada and like Alaska, and there's some areas that it's like it'll say one to zero people that live in that area, and that's like most <laughs> of the most of that area. Yeah. So who knows? Maybe these people are still up there. Um, 
and especially if they developed hair too, they're able to keep themselves warmer and kind of stay out of the stay out of the way of everybody. And maybe they just kind of yeah. even more so adapted, and their hair just got thicker, and they just kind of made it a good place for them to be because that's where most humans aren't. They're going to come after them. Right. Yeah. And it said he was with them long enough to master their language, which is he was kind of like a scholarly type guy because he would he would go and try to be with the people, learn all about them. And I guess if you live there eight years, you might be able to master their language. But obviously it was a strange language. Um, I don't know. So that was probably my most recent of recent giants that might still be around. Most of them I'm finding like bones and stuff, you know. Um, I don't know if I've really found any because as far as like the most recent bones discovered, um, because like most of mine stop around 1930s, you know, they stop reporting, reporting about them in the 1930s. So I don't really have a recent like story of somebody digging up bones um, do you dig into the, like the South American stuff? Cause, um, at least oh. from like what I've kind of, kind of figured out, it seems like they're a little bit more open with it. Like maybe if they're still finding stuff yeah. down there, they kind of still release it to the general public and not just keep it to themselves. Dude, I would like, I would like to come in contact with somebody who is, does that. Cause you know that they can do that down there. Have I mean, you ever have, went down there and uh, gotten to see any, any museums? Cause I always hear people say that they still have giant bones, like on display in museums in South America. I've, I've heard that I've heard, I've heard of, uh, in fact, years ago when I started studying this stuff, I came across an article somewhere saying that that one museum, because there were so many museums down there, like little mom and pop museums, kind of like not just big ones. So like I heard there was a couple eight foot giants on, you know, display. Now I don't know if they're still there or not, but cause you know, there's so many people going down there from the U S and other uh, like European countries and they're really looking into these elongated skulls and stuff and talking about it and like building this little travel empire down there. Um, it makes you wonder if the U S is like, Hey, we might need to tweak this system down here a little bit. You know what I mean? Because, or even if it's, it's a mom and pa shop like, that owns the skeletons, all they got to do is come in as being part of the Smithsonian. I guarantee you they make them an offer. They can't refuse and get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's a good point. I would love, that's one place I do want to go is, like Peru, because there's so many legends of these red haired giants and stuff down there, like the Cha Cha Poya were like cloud warriors, and they were supposedly pretty like giants that lived up. They call them cloud warriors because they built these massive stone cities, and a lot of times they were in the clouds because they're up in the Andes Mountains, and they would come down out of the clouds to fight. You know, then they go back up into the clouds where they lived. <laughs> but the, I mean, there's so many legends of these. And there were so many different tribes of them, like the the Nazca people, the Paracas people, the Cha Cha Poya. Um, a lot of these pre Inca people were, you know, building like the big stones, like you see up there. So you know, and I've come across a story where they've they were admitting that some of these giants were discovered down there, and you could see one of them said you could see them in like the Smithsonian. Um, I don't know, I don't have that article in front of me, but yeah, I would love to go down there. Or anywhere where it's more open, open-minded. This is a uh, strictly opinion-based, of course, because nobody really knows this answer for sure. But uh, like, why do you think that the cover-up started as far as giants? Like, what? Why do you think that they're trying to cover this uh, information so hard? Huh? Yeah, that I would say for me personally, I think it's because it would it would prove 
like, cause I think that they tried to disprove the Bible, like that the hierarchy of the world, that whoever they be. Right. I think they try to disprove what God has said. And then just the simple fact that, well, or maybe disprove, let's go at it like this. It would prove that Darwinism is incorrect. Like, they have like in school books, they have the little, the little, the little monkey and it gets a little bit taller and then it gets finally gets to about six foot. Right. Well, that would just blow that out of the water. And they've been trying to teach that to kids for a long time now. Um, and still, they still may be trying to teach that. Oh, I'm sure they are too. I'm sure nobody believes it anymore, but like, <laughs> that's, I, that's my main reason. I think that they, they try to hush that down. I don't know. Uh, and it also would prove that, okay, so the enemy of the world is the devil. So if he and his minions try to create this superhuman race, well, it seems to have failed. And so there may be a, a satanic push to keep it hushed too. Like it basically proves that he's not as strong as he wishes he were, you know, in the end. So I don't know. There's there's different avenues and different ways you can go about go about it, but there definitely seems to be uh, it seems to be not a favorite topic among like the elites and stuff. It almost seems like if they stopped doing it back in like the 1930s, that was still when they were pretty heavy as far as like uh, the United States being a Christian nation. So I'm almost surprised that they didn't like try to push it hard in order to like yeah. prove the Bible, just because there is like reference to giants in the Bible, even beyond like the whole Nephilim thing, just in like the actual literal Bible, like we were saying earlier, you have like yeah, Goliath, for example. That, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, it is confusing for sure. It's like, why? Why weren't they? And a lot of the local people were super excited, right? When this would happen, they would, the whole town would get together. They would be looking at it. It's like high, the people from up high were coming in, but supposedly, you know, being a Christian nation, you're, you've got a good point. It's like, why, why were they trying to be hush about it? Like what, unless like the nation itself at its hierarchy is not Christian. You know what I mean? They just pretend to be. There's a lot. (laughs) You're, right. You've got a lot. I mean, you can see that in the Bible. When you go to the book of Isaiah, you can see it's talking about this nation that most of the people there trust in the Lord. But there seems to be a hierarchy who are still steeped in all this um, uh, false or the devil, basically, you know, following Satan worship and all that stuff. So you could have a nation where most of the people are trying to be good. Where, but the hierarchy is like two faced, you know what I mean? So, like, maybe there was a lot, of, there was some two faced stuff going on back in the 1930s, uh, or, you know. I mean, even going on into that view, too, it seemed like that's when, like, the Hollywood push for the whole concept of, like, the devil being this, like, grotesque creature was kind of happening where it seems like a lot of the people I've talked to that really dig into things and uh, have had encounters with like demonic beings and things, they aren't this evil, like dark looking thing. Like they try to present themselves as being like very classy and like they're seen in nice suits with like an elegant tone of voice and things like that. So maybe it's again, trying to push people thinking that the demonic is something dark and scary so that the demonic can actually come at them being that guy in a nice suit and actually be able to manipulate people because you're looking for something <laughs> totally different than what it actually is because yeah, yeah. if you're trying to trying to mess with people's heads you're not going to come in looking like a demonic creature because people are going to try to get away from you you're going to try to 
come in and try you're almost going to be almost like the joker where you have that very like intricate nice way of talking that you may be a complete sociopath but you sound classy in the terms of doing it so people want to follow you just because you seem like you're intelligent you know what you're talking about yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah that's so true i mean that's i mean that's deception right yep deception Um, at its finest (laughs) yeah yep yep you're going to get people there if you act and go about it like that. So yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. But I mean, I don't know if that made any sense. Like some of the reasons that I think, obviously I don't know, but because I mean, I do know that they were excited about it at one point. I've come across an article saying that they were, I mean, one of the first articles, let's see, they were trying to argue in, in 1895, the Smithsonian wanted to be able to go in and dig into a mound and remove the skeleton and take it back for display. And they were arguing that they, they can do this without, you know, contacting the local sheriff's department or coroner or whatever to get permission. Cause it's, it's prehistoric, you know, so they were arguing for that. And in 1890, let's see what I say that was 18. 18- I think I said the wrong. No, that's right. 1895. Yeah. So, but then after that, they were wanting to, um, there was this small like dime museum that was going out of business and they actually purchased like a nine foot um, mummy that was found in a burial mound. And then, and let's see here. I can tell you're an in-depth researcher because you just keep pulling different pages from different places. You got yeah, everything all written down. <laughs> yeah, I've got like stacks of articles all around me here and I have them categorized. I'm like, okay, wait, where'd I put this one? Um, okay, so basically they're arguing for the ability to do it without having to contact the local authorities. And then I found an article where they come and they buy one to put on display, a nine-foot guy. And then you have a guy that comes into power and working for the Smithsonian. And this is in 1934. Um, this guy, his name is uh, Herdlicka. His last name is Herdlicka. Um, Alice Herdlicka. And basically, he's fed up with prehistoric human giants being discovered. So... And they make no bones about it, it says. So basically, Smithsonian is fed up regarding the reports of prehistoric giants being unearthed. Um, they're fed up on skeletons of prehistoric human giants. And Dr. Alice Hendrekla, uh, curator of anthropology at the Smithsonian, makes no bones about it. So the, And they just rant. They go on this long rant. They're just basically tired of, uh, for whatever reason, they're tired of these giants being discovered. So that kind of makes sense because after the 1930s you hardly find any more reports like i'm always finding they're from the 18 you know 1800s to about 1930 something you might have an odd one slip by but they could not control these things being discovered that's the thing they were getting notified oh hey we've got another one you know we found one let's let's uh let's contact washington and they would come and get it um so they must have done something to where those reports stopped being reported. Um, you know, 
get into newspapers. Maybe it's a matter of kind of like translating it to something kind of more more present. Um, they were intentionally trying to get people to do the research for them so that they wouldn't have to do it. They pretend like they don't know anything about it. So everybody's just handing everything over, handing them all the information. And then once they have everything that they needed to learn or everything that they want people to dig up for them, then they're just like, all right, we're done. We're cutting it off after this point. And kind of transitioning into the present with like the UFO phenomenon, for example, it seemed like there was this push or they're like, all right, everybody give us all the information you got on it. Um, we're going to try to figure this out. We know absolutely nothing. So all the information you guys want to give us is great. Then all of a sudden it just kind of stopped one day. And I, I think it's an intentional thing that they're trying to get others to do the, do the research for them so that they don't have to do it. Ooh. And then once they have enough yeah. information and they don't want you to dig in anymore, they cut it off and then they start doing the in-depth research after that. But you lay the groundwork for them or the average person uh -huh. lays the groundwork for them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That'd be the way to do it. And, uh, not have to do any groundwork yourself. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then at that point you would know, okay, who all is doing it, who all to watch, like, who do we need to keep an eye on? You know, then at that point they would know who was doing everything, right? Like all the research and all that stuff. You have all your like, targets who is, too. Who's do <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who's doing all the digging, <laughs> who's doing all the uh, exploring and stuff like that. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a great point. Then at that point, either one, they make people disappear that they don't want to be doing research anymore, or the people that are in the really in-depth research that they want more information from, they just make them a deal. They start working for the government, and then you hear no more information on it because anything they get, they're not reporting it to the general public anymore. They're reporting it directly to the government that hired them right. to do the research from that point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just a, man, it's an interesting topic for sure. Like, for me, like, I started out, like, really just focusing on this stuff. Like I, you know, I try not to focus on the Smithsonian and all that stuff, you know, because really I don't have anything to pick with them. You know, I don't have anything. I, I would just try to play like dumb. Like, did they, did they, did they try to cover it up? Well, maybe they did, maybe they didn't, but like, Hey, here's some giants that were found. Let's talk about that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, I mean, who knows? Maybe they did. I mean, they seem to have stopped and they seem to have covered it up. I mean, it's the same with Sasquatch. They seem to be covering something up um, or they seem to know about it, but they just don't like to talk about it. Um, and there may be reasons for that. That I mean, makes sense. Being being who you are and kind of digging into this stuff pretty heavy, um, when it comes to like the giant of Kandahar, for example, do you think that that's an actual story, or do you think that that was something that somebody made up on the internet, or do you think it may have been like a like a ploy to almost like satisfy people's giant thirst for a little bit, so that everybody's looking here and they're doing other research over here? Yeah. Well, I mean, the story seems pretty fantastic, doesn't it? Yeah. Especially you know, like, there's some uh, components to it where it's like over fantastic. And then there's some other components to it where it's like, all right, like right after they found it, they tried to hel helicopter carry it somewhere else completely. And then none of the soldiers that supposedly took it out knew what happened to it after it got taken away by the helicopter. Like that seems pretty yeah. like what would happen for sure if they found right, a giant. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, for years, I'm like, well, okay, that's pretty cool. But like, is that too fantastic? Like he comes out and he spears one of the dudes. I'm like, golly, that's incredible. But like you're saying, like the rest of it, it, it makes sense. And even since then, there have been so many uh, military guys come forward with stories of them seeing other giants there in the same area. And there's the legends of there's stories of the dudes that like the people that the indigenous people that live there. Um, the men will like dye their hair red 
and their beards red and then dye their goats red. And then maybe a month or two later, the goats are all gone. And so people are wondering, like, are they doing this? Are they sending goats to the giants up in the, in the mountains? Because I, I, I believe it to be true because there's so many other guys that have seen these giants on their night visions. Um, and you have some really tall people there too, that like, I've seen some dudes that are like in this picture with all these Arab dudes. And then all of a sudden one guy is like head and shoulders taller than the other guys. Like, where'd you get that lineage? Like, he's just huge. Um, so I, I kind of tend to believe that there is true, but they seem different than Sasquatch. Like they seem more of like some of maybe the original type of giants or something. You know what I mean? Like they haven't moved into a forest or something totally yet. Like, I mean, they could have just, just also be adapted for the environment they live in, kind of like what we were talking about earlier, where, you know, yeah. if these things, there's the one in particular was seen in a cave, and who knows how far these, like, tunnel systems go, um, there could have been an aspect to it where maybe these ones are living underground, so, like, the way they've adapted is a little bit different, and yeah. I'm kind of going back to what you were saying about the people, I've always heard, uh, like, legends about, they say not to go in certain areas of the mountains because of the weird things that live there, and it's, like, common, common knowledge in these areas in Afghanistan and they try to kind of like push it away from the soldiers and don't tell the soldiers while all the people that are living in the village are like, we don't go there. <laughs> yeah. This is not our, yeah, we don't go to that territory over there. That's not ours. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I mean, even so digging I, I, into like Indonesia, they have the, uh, the tunnel systems that almost have like their own ecosystems inside of them. You know, we dig into the stuff in Afghanistan, who knows how far back those caves go, what they go into. It could even go into yeah. like these hollow earth kind of concepts where maybe not as extravagant as like Agartha and things like that, but just, you know, inside these caves, it could open up like crazy. There could be a whole other ecosystem inside of these caves and there could be a population of something living in these caves that, you know, are completely yeah. like almost like sustained within their own world inside there. Oh, like a city or something down in there. Exactly. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's like uh, watchers and stuff that come out to the edge every once in a while to grab things to eat or, or whatnot. You know, they may be sustaining like cities or high or dense populations down under there. They may even just For pop sure. up once in a while just to kind of tell people like, hey, we're still here, so don't come in this area. Because if it's hundreds yeah. of years and nothing's ever seen there, the people might start kind of pushing back that way. But if the locals once in a while will see a giant on the hilltop, they go, okay, they're still there. Don't go there. They're still <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, I've even heard some of these uh, beings might be even nocturnal, especially if you're going to live in a cave. Like, And I don't know if that's adaptation or if that's just kind of how they are. I know some of the... Um, skulls down in peru like the eye sockets on some of these elongated skulls and and these some of these elongated skulls aren't necessarily giants but they seem to have the giant traits like some of the nephilim traits like kind of muddied down over the years but their their eye sockets are like 50 percent larger than like ours and i think it was la marzuli mentioned once that it's quite possible that they might have been uh nocturnal I mean, you know, that kind of goes into, like, around. the Sasquatch stuff, too, that it seems like they're adaptable for both, but they do see very well in the dark. And, yeah. I mean, that just also may be a trait knowing that, uh, again, humans are mainly awake during the day, so in order to avoid them so that they don't get killed, they could have adapted yeah. to be better in the dark so that they're out when people aren't out. And even being as big as they yeah. are, it's way easier to hide yourself in the dark than it would ever be in the light because people could see you for miles. But if it's the dark, somebody could be, like, 30 feet away from you and still not be able to see you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that nice. <laughs> you could be real close to a giant <laughs> and not know it. 
No, and I wonder too is sometimes if if Sasquatch itself doesn't sometimes live under the ground. Yeah, um, at least in like in, caves in and caves, stuff too. Caves. I, I know there's a couple dudes I listened to years ago or a few years ago, um, not a long time ago. Um, there were a couple of researchers. This name, I'm going to botch their names, but it was something weird like, um, but no, no, I can't even remember. A couple old du- old dudes, but they wouldn't tell all their secrets. Like they knew how to call these things up. He knew where they lived. You could look at a topography and map and he could tell you right where they would be hanging out. And he said they would live in like creek, like dugout caves and creek banks and river banks and stuff like that. Um, who knows if, you know, if he knows what he's talking about or not, but it makes you wonder like where they would be hiding out during the daytime. I mean, there's even, um, I've heard of a lot of researchers that talk about these. They almost look like, like grass huts, but you can't see them until you're on top of them. And like, they'll do them in like the middle of a field. It'll be kind of dug into the ground. It'll be like weaved grass. And when you get inside of them, they say they're huge. Like you could fit multiple people in there and not be able to see it from the outside. So, I mean, there could be, again, different components to it, just like people that, you know, every region kind of has their different housing kind of ideas. So, you know, maybe if there's more caves prevalent, then of course they're going to hide in those caves because they already have a structure pre-built. But if they're ones living in like, uh, you know, like grasslands, for example, then they're going to build these like grass huts. And if they're ones that live in the woods, then they're going to be doing those like wood structures. And they might even do two sets of wood structures. They may do a wood structure that's like in one area that's away from where they actually are. That's kind of close to the trail to kind of keep people looking over here. And then they might have a second one that's built off somewhere else that the intention is just that first one's supposed to be a decoy. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, throw you off a little bit and they might even make that one super obvious. And those are the ones that people always see. And then they have a way better hidden one. So then when you're looking for like what a Sasquatch's house looks like, you're looking for this when actually it looks like this and they're smart <laughs> enough right. that they've That's built this point. to decoy you away from what you're actually looking for. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, I think you're onto something there for sure. That makes sense. Cause they're pretty smart. Mm-hmm. It would make sense that they would do something like that. Dude, I was even thinking uh, recently too, just another kind of thing to throw in as far as like Sasquatch theories go. Um, People always talk about them peeking out from trees. And my kind of theory on that is they think that it's kind of like them trying to trying to like look or distract you or whatever. But I kind of think that they do the tree wave back and forth because they can hide in thicker woods and still be able to see you. It's almost like driving past a fence fast that there's a lot yeah. of stuff in the way, but if you move fast back and forth, you can see through it where... Oh, for sure. Rather than them yeah. just kind of peeking across, the intention is they can hide themselves in thicker stuff and they move kind of back and forth and they can see you right. better than you can see them because they're moving in between all the trees to see things. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's hundred. I think you're 100% onto that, onto something there because I, I've had that same thought too. Um, you, you hear so many encounters of saying, well, the thing was swaying back and forth. Like, what was he going to do? You know, it's like... I do the same thing though. If I'm out in the woods and I, and I want to see through an area, I'll start swaying back and forth because I can see much better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just like, again, moving through a fence when you're driving past the fence, if you're standing right in front of it, you can't see it, but there's enough splits that if you're moving back and forth, you can see straight through that fence and the other people on the other side can't see you. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's common. Yeah. It's common sense too. And it's like, that's probably what they're doing. Like they can see you by just moving back and forth a little bit. Sometimes people get too extravagant with the theories and they don't look at it from like the simplest aspect of what it could be. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're like, what's it going to do? Is it going to, is it going to jump me or why is it doing this? Like <laughs> we can't figure out why he does this or th- why this creature does this every time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. 
And that's uh, crazy, man. I know you don't get to talk about it too, too much, but being that, you know, I'm a, definitely an active uh, Sasquatch researcher. Um, and it's also kind of ties into this conversation because we've made a lot of connections as far as like Sasquatch and giants go. Um, I'd love to hear about some of these uh, Sasquatch encounters that you've experienced as far as like when you do Sasquatch research. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't mind at all getting into that a little bit too. Um, yeah. So I was definitely, I was into giants before I ever had a Sasquatch encounter. Um, probably the first time I ever heard of Sasquatch or Bigfoot um, was when I was about 10 and somebody told me the story like about an East Texas uh, lady was outside and she saw one standing by her chicken coop or something like that. And I was like, why well, that's strange. Like, and from that point on, I never, I try, I'm a person that tries to keep an open mind. And so I never wrote it off as, as a lie, you know, I just, okay. It's like, well, that's possible. Never thought it of this creature before, but you know, I had an open mind, but it was 2014. I was on a hike with a buddy in Virginia and we were climbing up this mountain ridge on an old logging trail. And what state were you in? If you don't mind me asking too. It, yeah. In Virginia, Virginia. So like, yeah, close to the blue Ridge mountains. So we were climbing up this, up this mountain. Uh, it's an old logging trail that wasn't being used anymore, but we were hiking that because it was pretty easy to go through and go up. And so, but the trail turned left and he didn't want to go that way. And so we just kind of, I followed him. He took, he stepped off the trail and we walked a few feet. And when we did that, something probably uh, 20 to 30 feet in front of us. Now this was in August. So there was a lot of green, a lot of greenery, Um, like these laurel bushes that were probably six feet high were right there where that thing growled. So something growled at us like 30 feet in front of us. And this growl, like I'd never heard a growl in my life, but this thing, you could tell whatever this was, was like 20 deep voice men at one time. That's the best I can explain it. And it was just, it was just kind of shake you type feeling like, when you say and like a just, roar, what kind of like a roar was it? Like, is it, is there any other like uh like maybe famous like Sasquatch sounds that you might be able to kind of relate it to? No, it w- it was just a growl. That's all it was. So it was just a deep guttural growl. It's like like, and we froze. Like I had some cool rocks I was holding, and actually at that point I didn't drop them yet. We froze and we did we just we just stood there. And, and just looked, we didn't see anything, but whatever it was, was hiding in the bushes right in front of us. And I guess what it, I guess it thought we might walk into it. And so it let off a warning because we got off the human trail and we went to the right and we started walking off trail and it growled and we froze. And as we just stood there, like, I don't know why we stood there, but we st- <laughs> we just stood there. There's actually, um, just to kind of kind of relate it to, a lot of people say that they freeze when they're in these like high pressure situations, but coming from an animal that's normally supposed to be an apex animal. Uh- Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Um, your body yeah. doesn't know how to react when you have things like that. So your body will freeze <laughs> in order for you to think about what to do next because you're not often in that situation being an apex predator. So a lot yeah, of people wonder why their body freezes, but it's like your actual body freezes itself to give you time to think because that's that's what the intention right. is. Because you're in that fight or flight response, but you don't know which way to go yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah, he didn't know what to do. My buddy, he, in fact, he started saying things like, dude, what was that? Was that a four-wheeler? Like he, his mind was starting to, you know, your mind start to lie to yourself because you don't want to accept what's going on. Mm -hmm. And then, and then it growled again and it, and you could tell what it was saying. Like, it was like uh, the second growl was like, what are you doing here still leave? Like, what, why are you still here? Like the tone changed and it, it sent a clear message, like get out of here. And so I was holding this cool rock. This was like a quartz rock that I'd found up in the mountains. I was like, I just dropped it. Like, okay, I'm not taking this with me. Here's a gift for so you. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I felt bad, but, um, leaving it there, but I, I dropped it and he just started instead of, cause he lived there. I didn't live there. He was from the area. So instead of going back to, turning backwards and going towards that um, logging trail, he just went straight down the mountain. He just going straight down. I was like, dude, wait up for me, wait up. And he was just, he was blazing a trail through this thick stuff that that thing growled at us from. I was like, dude, wait up, man. And he was not, he was on his way down. He was thinking, yeah, uh, I, I don't got to be the best runner, but I just can't be the one in the back. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was pretty scared for thinking to, to, at first to be a four wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he was like, he was wishfully thinking. He usually packs a gun. He didn't have a gun. I didn't have a gun with me. I just had that rock. And I, whatever that was that growled at us was so huge. My rock, I didn't even think that, you know, the rock was just in my way at this point. I needed to get out of there and I didn't even be holding a heavy rock. And so I dropped it. But fast forward, I went back to that area multiple times because my sister lived near there. And I'd been back to that area years and years after that and had more and more encounters. Like, so I never had a sighting there, but I did research. I was like, okay, what growls in Virginia? Well, the biggest animal they have is a black bear and black bears don't growl. They huff and make noises, but they don't growl. And this thing was much larger than a, a black bear based off the sound of it. And so the next time I went up there, I took my metal detector and I started because there's like, there's a lot of history up there and, and they have permission to be on this uh, mountain Ridge because a friend, like a friend of a friend owned it or something. And so I was like, well, I want to look for like civil war bullets or something, you know, there's some history here. So I was just beeping around. Um, and I was like, Oh wait, I did see a rock pile up there. I noticed some rock mounds up on this, that same Ridge where, I got growled at has multiple stone burial mounds. So I was like, Oh, how cool would it be to find like some old sword or something? So I started beeping around in this mound and I got a reading. So I moved some stones and I find some weird rusty wire, um, just a few stones down. I was like, well, that's strange. So I put the rocks back, um, went back down the mountain and I was beeping around down there and I heard like what sounded like all I can explain is like a boulder the size of a hay bale, like a small square hay bale. 
that's what it sounded like being dropped up there on the mountain ridge where I'd come from. That's where those stone mounds were. This is almost like so, like shook was, the ground. I feel like that that would that's yeah. pr- pretty pretty good hit. On yeah, the you can almost feel it. It was like boom. I was like, okay, something just dropped just dropped a real big rock, a boulder. And I in those situations, I get very curious and fear almost goes away. Um, my curiosity overrides fear typically when that stuff happens. If I'm going to die today, at least I get to see a Sasquatch. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, something is communicating with me. And I was the only one around at this point. So this isn't the time when I got growled out. This is like the next year. And so I was alone on the mountain. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go back up there. Cause I was just up there and, you know, beeping around this mountain. Um, I go back up there and I have uh, all I have on me is a machete and I have my uh, metal detector and I go up to the foot of this mound and I just sat down and got my cell phone out. Cause I was felt like I was going to see something probably. So <laughs> <laughs> I was very naive, but I sat in front of this mound and just waited. And to my surprise, I started, cause at this point I've never heard a wood knock in my life. I started to hear something to my left tapping, like doing this tap sound. I called it Morse coding, like a tap, 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 like a just like a light tap, tap. kind of trying to build up. Yeah, well, just like a light, you know, light tapping on wood. And then I was like, oh wow! And I looked, and then I heard over to my right, one was answering back. I was like, okay, wait a second. I'm kind of in a clearing, and then there's thick woods up around me, like over this ridge. So. It's right out of line of sight. Something is tapping back and forth to each other, and I'm in between them. I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. So that's when I whipped my phone out. I've got my video ready because I figured something's going to step out, and I would see it. You know, I didn't know what to expect. Um, (laughs) Always come prepared just in case. (laughs) Yeah, nothing happened. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to start walking towards the closest sound I heard. So I just start walking that direction, just straight towards it. Um, and then at that point, something in between me and where my car was, but down over a ridge, um, I heard three loud smacks. Like you took a wood baseball back and smacked the tree three times. It's like, whack, whack, whack. I was like, oh man. And so that one made me nervous because it was in between me and my vehicle. Not, not straight in between, but to the side, but I'd had to walk past whatever made that sound. And, uh, and I was alone. I was like, well, Okay. I don't really know. And then at that time too, some birds flew over, you know, how crows will, will, uh, gripe at something that they see. Mm-hmm. So see whatever did that, these birds started fussing at it. So that told me something visible was over there that made that sound. Like I wasn't just, it wasn't like a spirit smacking a tree, like something was there. And so I, I'm, and I think my cell phone battery is a little low. So I was like, well, I better go back right now. Cause I don't want to get, I don't know what all is going on. You know what? It, last year I got growled at this year in the same area. I'm getting these wood bangings and tappings and boulder droppings. So I almost wonder if they're trying to steer there. you a certain way, almost like, you know, we're looking at Sasquatch, maybe like they're like, there's a lot of people look at them like there's something like they're trying to hurt you. But if it was yeah. doing it from in between you and your car, Maybe there was something yeah. unsafe in that area and they were trying to push you out. Yes. But maybe they're trying to get you to take a certain path 
to leave because maybe again yeah. they don't want to hurt anybody maybe their intention is that they want you to take the safest path to kind of just get away from them or right. even yeah, something that's... just as simple too um you know a lot of animals will kind of drop off their babies somewhere when they're going and dealing with a situation. So maybe there was like a baby or something in that area that they dropped off and they knew you're kind of getting close to her. You're going to walk past it. So they're trying to get you away from that area so that you weren't going to accidentally yeah. walk past where they're hiding their babies at. They're looking at me. It's like, dude, why, why is this guy walking towards the noises? There's something wrong with you. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't working. Try to hit it harder. <laughs> yeah. He's trying. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's a good point though. So, man, I, and so I would just do that year after year. I'd go hiking. Um, my sister didn't really like it because she was kind of scared of the area and she lived not too far from there. Um, Did she so, believe in like Sasquatch she, and stuff or was she more so just scared of like the animals no, and things that could be in the woods? No, she didn't believe in it. Um, of course. And, and that the dude I was, was hiking with was her husband. So it was my brother-in-law. Um, so she didn't like the, f- the fact at all. She did not want to think of it, which is fine. But you know, there are people like that. They don't, they don't want to think about it because if you think about it, then you have to, you have to address it. So if it's not there in your mind, well, then it's maybe not there in real life. I just so, slid out of mind. You know, I get it. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. I get it. So, but yeah, she just didn't want to talk about it. And he, he has never brought that story up to me again. Like we, he just never talked to me about it. I mean, he may have even have rationalized it in his head totally different, or maybe it was one of those things that was so traumatic for him that he kind of just like pushed it off and forgot about it on purpose, where maybe he doesn't bring it up because he doesn't remember it's in his subconscious, you know, where if you brought it up, maybe it'd be like a PTSD thing where he's like, no, 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 (laughs) no. Like, I forgot that happened. (laughs) He went in the woods with me a couple years later. He had lost a drone and he wanted me to go with him to find it. I was like, oh, yes, get to go back in the woods. Um, with him you know and i had been out there when he'd be able to go out and around and we would go well he had lost it up on this mountain which they kind of lived at a base of a mountain range and so up in these mountains nobody lived up in there so he lost a drone so i went with him to find it but i earlier i'd been hiking up in the mountains and i would there was this one dead tree i would lift it up and it was leaning on a tree and when i would lift it up and let it fall something, you know, deeper into the woods would mimic it. The sound it made, it would thump, 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 thump. Like, and there's no way it was an echo. It would like thump, thump, thump. And so I was like, okay, he wants to go in the woods. So I'm going to, I'm going to say, Hey dude, listen to this. Well, whenever I did it, it's almost like it reluctantly made the thump sound because he was with me. Like when I was alone, it was, it was making the, the thumping sound a lot louder and a lot more, but I'd done it so often that it wasn't going to quit doing it whenever I tested it again. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, I was like, dude, you hear that? He's like, Oh yeah. But like, he didn't really want to talk about it either. So <laughs> I was like, okay, he just doesn't want to, he doesn't want, he does not want to talk about what's maybe in the woods up in these mountains. So I mean, they may be intelligent enough, too, that maybe they kind of pick who they want to interact with, because if they're interacting with somebody that's honestly doing it because they're curious about them, maybe they're more willing to kind of throw stuff back because maybe they kind of want to be somewhat understood, at least from a premise of like that they're not going to hurt people, where when you have people that are horrified of them, maybe they kind of reluctantly kind of sound back because they're purposely don't want to interact with that person because they don't want to have this like fear state of them. 
But again, even going yeah. into other locations, um, maybe there's some clans of them or some groups of them that want to be understood in a positive way. And then there's other ones that just want to mm-hmm. scare the hell out of everybody so that nobody wants to go towards oh, that area. Man. And it kind of depends on like the thinking of the like tribe of the Sasquatch themselves because assumably they live in family groups. I, yeah. I've come across a tribe like that in Texas near where I live because I, I go on hikes a lot. Um, and so I was hiking along this river once. And this is right after 2020. Like they shut everything down. So everybody's nobody can go to state parks. They even shut those down for whatever dumb reason. They shut the state parks down. It's like, why would you do that? It's not safe to be outside in the air. Don't you know? (laughs) Yeah. Come on. So everybody was flocking. Everyone was flocking to these rivers where a bridge would cross a river. And so you had people up and down this river. And whenever I go, this is a place I would go to a lot. But now I'm going and there's just a lot of people swimming and stuff. So I'm going to go as far down this river I can to get away from people so I can just be alone and be in the nature. Um, at this point, I hadn't had any like Sasquatch experience here that I could tell. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of them maybe doing alcohols, like like a barred alcohol. Mimic, mimicking i've heard of them mimicking Mimics. different animals on purpose even like human voices and things too so i mean definitely not yeah. out of the spectrum i've heard of a lot of different like mimic sounds that people have claimed that they've made yeah well i've heard of that um i can't remember if i've heard them there do that of course a lot of times you don't know what you're hearing though yeah you because know, you, you didn't see it so what am i hearing you know so and if you but, hear something that's slightly just, tweaked off from the actual animal if you didn't hear the animal right beforehand in order to be able to like compare it you just right. hear it you're going to assume it's that other animal because you don't really have like a standard of comparison to begin with yeah yeah up and down this river i'll, I'll go uh, even counties away i've gone on like um river trips and i've heard like we sat up one night and we heard like something was drumming all night long, like drum, 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 drum. Like it almost like it was a mimic of a, um, trying to mimic one of those old wells, like pumps that pump water out of the rivers for the farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't like it never happened again. Years later, years and years later, I would go down there, but never do it right there. Like you just had it doing it. It's almost like it trying to be a nuisance on purpose. So we didn't like decide to camp there for days and days because we're in the middle of nowhere, but on this particular hike, getting back to that, um, I hiked way down. There's a, there's an old fisherman. He was the furthest dude away from everybody. And I went past, uh, you know, waved at him and I just kept hiking further past him. And I'm probably at this point, 70 feet from the wood line, but this is a pretty big river, but there's also a lot of gravel. Um, something to my right, right at the tree lines. It's really scared me. Like there was this massive explosion of like, like a tree log being smashed. And I looked over and like it, I mean, I've never been so afraid. Like I was scared. I thought maybe I was going to die. Like what, what is over there? That is that angry. Like I've heard of them being aggressive and I looked and I didn't see anything other than like parts of this tree still moving. Like it wasn't like a, <laughs> it wasn't like a tree falling. It was an, an one sound like a smash. And I looked up and I saw parts of the tree, like in the air. I was like, uh Oh, something doesn't like me here. But Oh, to the point before that, as soon as I hit the trail, I wasn't like everybody else that was maybe being watched. I was on a mission. 
Um, people are playing, kids are playing and swimming, people are fishing. I'm with my hiking stick and I'm heading straight and I'm moving pretty quick down river. And this owl call comes out from that location where the smash came from, which is interesting to me. Um, but I was like, okay, I held my peace. I didn't leave. Um, I stopped and actually started taking video of like the, <laughs> the area. And I was like, I can't let this thing have the last say over me like this, I'm going to keep walking. So I just went ahead and kept walking down river to where I couldn't walk anymore. So I actually passed it. I looked back at the old man to see if he, cause he had to have heard that unless he didn't have good hearing, but I couldn't realize too far away from him at that point to tell his face. So he may have been I too just, into just fishing or he didn't even like, wasn't even paying attention to other noises because he was too in tune with what he was yeah. doing. Well, Hey, I tell you, I tell you what, if he wasn't there, I wouldn't have walked further downstream though. Like <laughs> I kind of felt good. Somebody was there would like, if something came out to get me, there would have been a witness. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. At least somebody else can go. You saw that Sasquatch, right? Somebody would have saw me. Get, <laughs> yeah. Somebody would have saw me getting smashed. So, and then it, I think it was like a week or two later, it was bothering me. Um, and my dad doesn't like to hike, but I was like, Hey, I need to conquer this river. Cause this is one of my favorite hike spots. I, I'm, I want you to go with me and we're just going to walk the same spot where I walked. And so we did it, you know, like I was a little nervous going back because that time there was like just me and him. It wasn't, I think it was during the week or something we came through. So it wasn't a weekend. But I conquered it and did it again afterwards. Just and I wanted him to see it. Like this is what happened. This is where it happened. But that was probably the scariest time and the most aggressive thing I've been around. Still not seeing it. Um, I've only ever had one sighting that I know of. Like a for sure sighting. Um, a road a road crossing at night. But other than that, like a lot of it is just sounds, experiences, noises. You know. Do you want Something to get like into that. your uh, your one sighting in particular, exactly like what you saw, yeah. what it was doing? Sure. I mean, it was it was not it was really quick because it was I was driving down an old um, country road at night. Is this um, also in I, Virginia I, or was this in Texas? No, this is in Texas. Yeah, I was in Texas. Um, I was driving kind of on the outskirts of town, so out in the country, and I'm driving down this road at night. And I'm watching, I'm watching headlights, oncoming headlights. And, you know, they're, they're ways away. Like growing up, I was a little bit um, nervous of drunk drivers. So like at a young age, when I started driving, I would kind of train myself to watch the headlights because you normally can tell if the car's swerving or not. And so that way I can be prepared. If it were a drunk driver, I would be able to hit the ditch if I need to. You luck out so in Texas that you can actually tell from that up in Michigan, there's so many potholes that if you see swerving headlights, you don't know <laughs> if they're dodging potholes or if it's a drunk driver. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good point. Yeah. Oh, this road had some potholes on it too, but this, this old country road is, you know, it's sort somewhat paved. It's more like a gravel type, uh, tar type road. But it's, it's wide enough for two cars to pass each other comfortably, but no, it's no like stripe on it. Um, no, no stripes or double lines or anything like that or shoulders. Um, so I'm watching this, the headlights. And as I'm watching the headlights, I see this figure, like a humanoid figure, run from my right to the left. And it does it in one second. So it crossed the whole road in, as fast as you could say 
count, say one Mississippi, it was gone. It was there and gone. It was like a flash, but he ran in between our headlights and our head. I mean, we weren't like, you know, 30 feet from each other. We were a good distance from each other, but it was enough to where I could see the silhouette perfectly. It ran in between his lights and my lights and it ran like, and it, he had a back angle. It was like a slight 15 degree back angle as he was running and his arms were straight to his side. So all I saw was his body, his head, you know, the side and his legs moving. So it's almost like he wasn't running like this on purpose, trying to stay concealed as much as possible by not moving his arms when he ran across in front of us. Yeah. I've always wondered too, like when people find the footprints, they're usually a couple feet apart and that's how big their stride is. But like the running stride, like imagine how big that thing is. You saw it in a split second. That could have only been like three steps for that thing. And it could have been completely cleared and clearing the road. Cause if oh, they're yeah. walking strides three to four feet. Their running stride might be even be like six feet, six to seven feet. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the deal. Like his head and my, and that's one thing like your mind will lie to you is sometimes like you don't want to believe what you saw, but so I was like, oh, it's got to have been about about seven foot tall, but not telling myself what I really saw. His head was like close to the tree line. And so it was like the next year I went and measured that it was 13 feet to the tree line. So his head would have been at least 11 feet off the ground. And so, which makes more sense because right to the right where he came from, there's a six foot tall pipe fence. So he had to been trucking and he would have just stepped over that fence to be moving across the road at that dist- at that fast, at that speed. See, that always makes me wonder too, of how big these things could possibly be, considering that it seems like most of the sightings that people have are the ones that are kind of like intermixed interacting with people, which are usually like the young males that are kind of trying to find their, find their place in society, so to speak. So, you know, mom and dad told them not to be seen by humans. They're like, I'm just going to do whatever the hell I want to do. But when it comes to like the old adults (laughs) that have had years and years and years of hiding and you never really see them, I mean, they could easily be like 11, 12 feet tall and you never see them because you're only really seeing like the, the young adolescent males. And those are the ones that we're gearing at seven, eight feet tall. Right. And, and then we're thinking that's how big they get, but this thing, no, he was, he was every bit of 11 feet, you know, he, he could have even been 11 and a half, but I'll, I'll just say 11 because the tree line, you know, he's at a back angle. He wasn't going standing straight up either, but even then it was like, I could see the trees and he was just right below that. So he was just, and he, he had to step over that fence to be moving that fast. Cause it wasn't like he landed and then started running. It was just like a flash. And so later I went back in the daylight and looked and I could see there's a bunch of trees to the left where he was heading um, that were kind of, they're big, thick trees, but they don't grow. They weren't growing like normally. They were all crunched over almost as if something were to sit and monitor the road and watch and wait. Like it was a regular path. He, it's a, I think it was a trailway. Yeah. And cause if you look at it, there's this uh, like a fence, like a cow type fence, um, that is bent. So it's bent, not like something from the road bent it, but it's bent crooked, almost like something coming on could see it bent over and then straight and over again, like something bent it, bent it. So where they could see it coming and going, hmm. not, not the roadway. So it's almost like a trail marker. So you have the bent T post and then you have all these squashed trees. And then on the side where it came from, 
it was a property that was for sale <laughs> at the time. So I just helped myself. I went over there and, and looked around and there was like the, another squashed field tree. So what it is, I did more research is like, there's a patch of trees way over this way. And there's another big forest over this way, but it had to run through more like cattle fields. And that's where the road was coming through. And so I even set up a game camera <laughs> on a tree. I, was, I, took, I took the risk. I was like, I want to, because I could do that and they would never know I was there because it's a trailway. It's not like they're living there in the trees. I never caught anything, but I didn't leave it up for very long either because I didn't want it to get stolen. <laughs> when it comes it to the, the trail cams, road. there's a lot of theories on those things too, that if these things are able to see in other frequency, like in other light spectrums, you know, such as like bees with uh, like ultraviolet light, for example, they might be being they might even be able to see that infrared light coming off of there. So if it's like a giant project projection beam coming in one direction, they know to avoid it because yeah. they can see it. Or even just right. if they have very in-depth noses, like most animals do in nature, they might even be able to smell the plastics coming off. So a lot of people that put up trail yeah. cams will say that they'll have weird experiences where like the trail cam will get dropped and then whatever they're trying to look at, all the apples will be missing from the tree and just weird things like this. <laughs> like there's something to them. Like they know that they're there. Like, Either it's through smell or they're able to see the light coming off of them. One of the two. Right. Either more likely you're, you're going to deter them and not get a picture of anything. You know what I mean? Like you're going to discourage them from being around if you throw those up because mm -hmm. <laughs> they're either going to outsmart it or just get tired of having to deal with them. If you've got them placed all over around your property, they may say, you know what, just let's just move on. <laughs> and if you put it else. too far back too, then you won't be able to see at night. And it seems like that's when they're the most active. So maybe they take that to an advantage where, you know, if they know it's this yeah. far back and this is the spot you're trying to look at, you can see it during the light. They won't do it during the light. But at night when they know that that camera can't hit over there because it'll just all look like dark shadows, then that's when they take the opportunity yeah. to go. Yeah. Dude, I've heard stories too, like at night um, that they... And this came from like a military um, story where they were doing testing and they thought an, another dude was walking out there, but like all their buddies were accounted for and they were looking through this night vision. But this thing was, it was trying to hide from them even in the nighttime. And I find that probably to be true. Like on the trails that I find when I'm on hikes, like it seems like they're like you could see trees that were something rubbed up against it or where trails are. It seems like they try to stay hidden even in the nighttime as they move around just to stay, try, try to stay concealed, you know, even in the night, just in case, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, they're smart too. Assumably they know that there's like coon hunters and there's also hunters that particularly only come out at night, even like, you know, people that are uh, fishing, you know, you go and you, catch fat catfish at night so there's a lot of there's yeah. just as much activity for hunters during the night as there is during the day depending on what you're looking for and i'm sure they're yeah. fully aware of that yeah yeah probably so and i bet they still try to stay you know even though they know we they probably don't know we can't see but they assume we we can't see as good as they can see you know what i mean like i wonder like what what do they know about like us i mean they may even be intelligent enough to kind of run their own tests where maybe they kind of will like make themselves semi-visible and kind of move close to see how long it takes before you start noticing something's happening. And then they go, okay, so this is roughly how close we can get to humans before they're able to see us in their line of sight. Like it's, it's difficult because yeah. you, you don't, honestly don't know how intelligent these things could be. <laughs> yeah, dude, I've got a story about intelligence that I did. I tried one time. So one time on a hike, I found this little, it looked like a, like a juvenile footprint slip 
like it had rained. And so there was like this spot where it looked like a, a little one slipped in the mud. So you could see these toe prints and they just kind of went whoop and slipped. And you could, it, you could tell it was from a foot. And so I was like, I want to cast this thing. So I got some cast material and I cast it, but then I put, um, I put a bucket, like a five gallon bucket over the cast because I've cast it before and cast the stuff didn't dry as fast as I thought it would. And I had to leave it overnight. And then you're kind of telling on yourself. And so this time I tried to outsmart them. So I put, I put, um, like a bucket and I put like, I got some kids like shoes and like make footprints, made footprints. And I put some, like a kid toy beside it, almost like a kid might've been playing out in the woods. And then I put the stick, I laid a stick down um, on this bucket too. And I shot a picture. Well, I came back the next day and this is a spot where nobody really goes. Mm-hmm. Like I know nobody goes to this spot and I looked at it and I took another picture and then I compared the two pictures. Well, the stick that I had put on there had been taken and flipped backwards and set down in a slightly different angle. But I would not have been able to tell you that had I not taken a picture. So I almost think they were testing, testing me or something really strange. Or maybe they tried to like mess with the footprint a little bit, possibly. I don't know. Like, I don't know if they moved the bucket, like from my picture, I can't tell they picked up the bucket to see what was under it. I tried to make it look like the bucket was just there, not concealing a footprint that I was trying to cast, you know, cause that was all hidden. Um, and I put stuff on top, but something had picked up the stick and moved it around backwards, spun it opposite and set it down. So that kind of goes to like, like you're saying, like, we don't know how intelligent they are, but they seem to be highly intelligent to be testing me that way mm-hmm. without me even knowing that they were testing me. I like, I, I walked up and I didn't know. I just looked back and compared my picture, but they, they must have a picturesque mem- memory, you know, like a, they look at something and remember it really well. I don't know. That's what I'd assume too. Like they were. Yeah. Did that um, uh, cast that you get by chance have like the mid tarsal break on it by chance? by chance uh that one was ver- just more toes like i have casted one that does have like a mid tarsal break but it was like i took that cast in some like an oak forest and so it wasn't mud it was like it had rained a lot and so something had stepped in the uh, like the rotting oak leaves and stuff so it wasn't like in mud but it was enough to see the foot pattern it's like 11 inches long i want to say about six inches wide and you could see the heel. Then it had that high arch thing, like the mid tarsal break. It had that in it. And then the toes too. Cause one thing I always like to throw is everybody's like, Oh, you're, you're finding like 10 or 12 inch footprints out in the woods. Well, that could be a person, but then you look at it and you go, okay, well what person's walking around in the woods barefoot? If there's toe prints, it's like that, that brings right. in a whole other question to it that no, nobody's walking around with 12, 12 inch feet in the woods right. barefoot. <laughs> Yeah. And, and the thing too, with the ones that I find they're too, way too wide to be a person's foot. There's one time I found one that was skinny on a trail that I hike a lot and it was barefoot. It, it wasn't like super dis- defined, but you could tell it wasn't a shoe and you could see the heel and that, and that mid tarsal break, but it was more skinny and slender. So my assumption is it must be a woman. That's like exactly where my mind was going too. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I think it's a female because I found like the small ones. Now I found the female, but I find these big ones that are like 
like the dudes are like wide, like we're talking like six, six inches wide. Like I've got a, an 11 inch foot myself, but it's, you know, I might be four inches or less at the width. So like to have a six inch wide foot, you're not, you don't have very many humans that have that or any, we'll just go ahead and say no. Like, I don't think anybody has a six inch wide foot. And then at your heel, you're like a massive four to four and a half inch. That's just huge. I mean, even just like the shape of a human foot, just because of like wearing shoes too. Um, I mean, if you never wear a pair of shoes, your feet are going to naturally become wider because that's how your foot's intended to be. And you're intended to walk with your toes spread out because it gives you better balance. But then when people wear shoes, generations and generations, our feet start getting more narrow because we're relying on the bottom of the shoe in order to help us keep our balance rather than our foot actually spreading out and actually getting like a grip into the ground to be able to walk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think we're supposed to be shoeless, but here we are. <laughs> it's kind of funny too. I always have to wear super duper wide shoes because I've noticed that when I step, I like spread my toes out and it makes me wonder yeah. like how many, like we're, we're clearly intended to walk like that, but just because of shoes in general, yeah. like your foot never really gets to do what it's intended to do. And so everybody's right. toes, if you see them now, they almost kind of look funky. Like all their toes are really pushed together. And, uh, all yeah. the, all the people that have the super duper wide shoes, they do this step where like you spread your toes out, which I think is honestly the more natural way to walk. And yeah, people a, like yeah, to blame like to skate shoes because they're super flat, but like realistically the ground you're walking on would probably be more like the inside of a skate shoe instead of like arch support, for example. So like, if anything, that's the right. natural foot because it has the least amount of yeah. alterations to it to become, you know, the shape that it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one like the, uh, the one that I found that is like the best print that I found is it's not real. It's about as long as my foot, but there's no way is from a, and it was on a piece of property that I have permission to hike on. No, but there's no houses on that property. It's all forest. And what is it doing in there? You're right. <laughs> so it, it's a, it's a, it's a hippie near. collective hanging out in the middle of the woods. We'll, we'll just put the blame that yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Just some, some giant hippies. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, with that size, I would, I would tend to guess that size of a foot, the creature is probably almost seven feet between six and seven feet high. If you go off that size, cause I've found some that are more like uh, 14, no 16 inch long footprints. I found that one. And a lot of times it'll be after it rains. Um, you can tell a lot of times on my hikes, I'll, I'll step into a footprint. I'll be walking and I'll say, Oh, Whoa, somebody stepped here and I'll, and I won't put all my weight down and I will just go and I'll feel, and you can find, the heel, you can find the end of the foot and you can measure it. And you're like, okay, that's where that, that's where something stepped. And that's a big dude. So I almost wonder if they purposely know that their footprints get caught in certain types of soil. So they try to avoid it as much as they can. But then when it rains, for example, it's kind of unavoidable. So then they try to like camouflage their footprint as much as possible. Maybe like kind of rock their toes forward more, things like that. Um, I've even seen examples where people say it's like a handprint, but they'll purposely double put their handprint down. So it looks like a, uh, like a deer print, but it'll be way too deep to be a deer print. Just like weird things like that. I think they're intelligent enough that when they can, they do try to hide their tracks. So it's almost like they, they really want to stay hidden. It sounds like, and I think that explains, I mean, some people say, well, the footprints just stopped. They're just gone. Well, I've been researching them enough too now that whenever I hike in the woods, I try not to leave a footprint personally. 
Like, I almost wonder I too if they try to deter with the footprints, where maybe the reason why you'll see three and then they step off is because they intentionally were trying to make those footprints because they make them going yeah. this way because they're where they're actually staying at is back that way, but then they leave three footprints going this way and then they start walking soft again so that you can't find them. But now yeah. you're going to be going off in this direction looking like they're intentionally leaving footprints yeah. to deter you away from where they actually are. So maybe people should That's start rather than point. following the footprints, maybe go back the other way of the footprints. <laughs> go the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And start looking point. in like the other stuff on the side where maybe if there's leaves and things on the side, rather than looking for a solid defined footprint, start looking oh, for yeah, like yeah. toe imprints that are like off in the sides yeah. in the, in the harder spots. Like they're intentionally trying That's to step in those them. spots. That's where I find them in the leaf, in the leaf litter beside like a worn trail that's where i find them like i've never ne- actually the one that was a girl's like the girl footprint she had stepped on the side like in between the leaves and the in the mud and she got in the mud and even on that like i almost wonder if it wasn't on purpose because mm-hmm. they're so smart i think whenever they leave one it's it's either a very young one like a small footprint is that was probably an accident maybe but an adult, I think it had to been on purpose for them to just leave them out there for you to see it. Like if it weren't in the leaves, if it wasn't in the leaves or something like that. Especially like really looking into their walking patterns and realizing that sometimes they purposely will walk on their heels. Sometimes they'll purposely walk on their toes. Like it seems like there's a reason why they full print. And when they full print, I mean, especially with the mid torsal break, my kind of idea with it is so that they can kind of grip the ground to climb up. So I feel like the only time that you're really going to find an intentional not an intentional, but like one that they left on accident as like a full footprint is if it's going uphill because they're using their full foot to be able to grip the ground as they're getting up that hill. And that's why they're able to move up the ridges so fast is because they're actually not just Uh running up the ridge, but they're grabbing things and gripping the ground with their feet to get up the ridge faster. Yeah. And they have to, at that point, they have to, that they throw that part out the door, like trying to stay concealed because they have to do that at that point. And so especially some of the ridges they go are like almost straight up. So they really got to grip in there and climb up there. Maybe that's where you need to look for like a real good footprint. Yeah. Start looking in the side of like really steep hills that you really can't walk up. (laughs) You have to like strap yourself to a tree in order to do a cast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Dude. Yeah. I can't wait to find like a really good, cause I don't have one yet. I don't have very many. Um, cause where, I've, where I've been like, I'll find some in a gravel on a, like a Creek bank where something that looked like it wasn't a shoe. It was not a shoe footprint. It was like a barefoot footprint, but it was in the gravel. So you can't cast it. Um, but you could tell where something put an impression with their foot. Um, so I haven't had one that's like perfect mud, like perfect toes. Like, you know what I mean? Like when something steps in the, in the Oak leaves, it's not going to leave perfect toes. Um, so, or slides sometimes like slides into it. Like I, I really need one that has like perfect toes. Actually, I had one yet. I think the closest I've ever come is I went not too, too long, a couple months ago and I ended up, we, we found this, uh, it was underneath like a, like a drive over bridge and there was a couple of footprints that were leading up to the water. And when you followed the trail back, it almost looked like it was like a deer path. Like it was intentionally walking through a deer path, but right by the water where the ground was soft, there was three good yeah. solid footprints. And they were the ones where it was like one right in front of the other, where it's that not human walking pattern. Like they walk one foot in front of the other, but it seemed like it was oh. one, two. And then the third one was in the water in the Creek, 
but the toes were pushed yeah. deeper. So it almost looked like it took two steps. And then that last one, it tried to like jump to the other side of the water. And that's where the weight oh. came down was in the front of its toes. Cause there was good solid toe prints, but it was one of those things that it was, you couldn't cast it cause it was in the water yeah. and it was really hard to get a oh. picture of because the water was yeah. kind of moving through it. Yeah. So the shadows were kind of reflecting and hard to see the toes. But you if you're looking it, at but it, it's hard to, if you yeah. were there looking at it, you could definitely make out for sure the toe prints because they dug in deep before it looked like it kind of tried to push itself to jump across the other side of the water. It didn't want to get too wet. Just, <laughs> it didn't want to leave solid footprints all the way across the water. Maybe it knew it just yeah. maybe slipped a little bit too far and then jumped or maybe it was intending not to step into the water. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's a great find. That's awesome. That was on complete accident too. And the weird part about it was we walked past the first time, looked, and there was nothing there, went for a hike around for a while, came back, and then we saw him on the on the comeback. So it happened within oh. the time we were hiking. And it was like yeah. three o'clock in the morning. So it wasn't a time when there was going to be just like people out and about, and especially not yeah. barefoot walking oh. around the woods at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. That's great. It was super That's weird. awesome. So <laughs> yeah, they're, they were watching you hiking. That's what I, we were trying to do tree knocks and it was dead silent. So I think that whatever was around was purposely trying to hide itself because we're doing some hardcore tree knocks and every single time I do it, I'd get all the coyotes going. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever find like sometimes they want to communicate? Sometimes they don't. Yeah. Like, like sometimes they'll sometimes kind of be around super silent and other, yeah. Like, yeah. you know, they're around, but they just don't want to interact with you like that time, for example. Yeah. Now, there's one spot that I go to, like a lot of times they'll make, noises like okay so what a thing i've noticed too is like in this area there's like a lot of woods but then there's also some barns like like farmers barns and stuff in the woods and it seems like they'll always have one or one of them will be by the barn so they can like make noises on the barn like a hit on the metal bang bang you know like that so sometimes i'll i'll be out and they'll be doing that um but sometimes it's just dead quiet like they don't want to say anything or do anything, make any noise at all. Um, this is this, this is the place too. I've heard like one time. And so I started banging on something back and forth. Right. So I'd bang and then something else would, uh, bang or make a shuffle noise. Like one time I've noticed one will just make a continuous shuffle sound, like just stirring the leaves, like a, almost a constant sound. Like, I don't know why, but like a, just a constant it's kind of irritating sound. Might be like that look over here kind of a thing. So if they're making noise over here, doing. then if other things make yeah. noise, as long as they're quieter than that thing making noise, then you're looking over Here's here. Here's the still. distraction. Yeah. And as I started banging on some metal with a stick that was nearby, like some metal that was nearby and that thing, whatever was making that shuffling sound, he actually started making a vocal sound with his, with his throat. And that's, that really scared me because I was like, oh, wait a second. I've never been that close to one making, it was like 60 feet or 60 yards, about 60. Cause I walked it off later. It was like, okay, where that sound came from was about 60 yards from where I was standing. And he made like four guttural noises with his voice. And I was like, oh my gosh, this thing is big. <laughs> so, I don't know if you've ever heard the, um, Sierra, is it Sierra sounds? Yeah, Ron Moorhead's recordings. Yeah. With the samurai chatter and all that. Yeah. And so are the ones like when they're talking, like, ah, he's making like, they just, ah, like this, this thing made a voice that sounded like, whoa, whoa. Like he did that four times. Like, 
but it was I can't mimic it exactly because it was so. Does it almost sound deep. like the Mongolian like throat singing, but like significantly deeper? I don't. Know. That's well. That's all he did was that that same sound. It's like whoa, like that. But it was just like I don't know. He did it four times in a row. I was like, oh wait, what does that mean? <laughs> what am I supposed to do? Do I need to leave right now? Like I've been around this group long enough for a few years. It's a place here in Texas. And I was like, I'm just going to stay. But I was a little nervous because he was so close and made that noise. But I got to think, it's like, well, he's not going to do that. He's doing that because he trusts me enough to actually reveal themselves a little more than what they've done already to this point. I That's almost wonder if they do it more guttural as in they're trying to just communicate with you and not others. So maybe they know mm-hmm. that there's others around, but they're trying to only let like one specific person hear it at a time. Yeah, probably so. Yeah, I would think so. But since then, I then I started trying to make noises like that later that night, <laughs> but I never got anything from him. <laughs> I was like, okay. Well, because, you know, like Ron Moorhead started talking back to him and they started talking to him. So, or, you know what I mean? So I was like, well, maybe I should try that, but mine didn't work. See, I'm always curious with uh, returning noises back that it's kind of one of those things that, you know, you hear somebody in a different language and you try to mimic the sounds that they're saying back, but you don't necessarily know what they were saying. So, you know, you could almost be say like swearing at them in their language, repeating words that they're saying. So maybe they're getting more irritated because they think you're swearing at them because you don't actually know what you're saying in their language. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. I've been like the other night I was out doing it and I was like, I started speaking like a a few Cherokee words that I thought I knew. (laughs) I was like, well, maybe they, but nothing, I did get some sounds, but no speech. Like I hardly ever, I've only heard speech that time. And another time I was hiking up on a ridge and heard a conversation from a distance. But normally I'm not hearing any speech, right? Like for me to hear that, it was like, oh my word, I can't believe I'm hearing that. So I I count myself lucky to be able to hear that. Like any, any vocal, like speech sounds, is this like incredible? Uh, kind of a weird question. I, I always like to ask everybody this because everybody has different opinions on it. Very opinion based, of course. So there's no definite answer to it. But as far as like when you get into Sasquatch, like what what do you kind of think that they are? Like what, what's your idea of Sasquatch? Okay. Well, okay. So my idea starting out, I, I actually, it's kind of fun to look at because I have like this, this folder that I started like in 2014. So like I started studying giants in 2010 and, but in 2014, I have this encounter. So I'm kind of doing both at one time at this point, like my hobby is to hike, but I still like to research and do the giants. So I mean, the more you get into it, you may even realize that both of them, like we were talking earlier in the show, may be even more related than you really think they are. Right. Yeah. We, yeah, that's right. So that's, that's, what's kind of fascinating too. So they're both gigantic beings. Um, so that is kind of interesting, right? Even (laughs) all the burial things, all the connections with the natives, like they have a lot more in common than they don't, to be honest with you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. So like to look at my folder, it says, uh, I had written down wood ape. Like I actually thought they were some sort of great ape, um, that was just undiscovered. So it's kind of funny to see my the the you know the journey that I've been on since I started looking into them, thinking they're just 100% an animal, 
Um, of course, they may be. I'm not saying that, I, that they aren't, but just like from my perspective, um, the more I looked into it, I'm like, okay, wait, because I, you know, I've encountered with with lights or orbs around them. Um, one thing I didn't tell you about in Virginia, when one of these wood knocks, it sounded like a knock I've done on like a friend's front door. If you go up to somebody's door and you just go like that, that's what it did. And I was like, okay, wait a second. What, what is this out here? Cause it was like a human thing. That's something I would do on a friend's front door. Like if you're showing up to your buddy's house and you're going to knock, you just don't, you don't go bang, bang, bang. You know, that's more of like, you know, the cops are here. <laughs> SWAT. You do a play. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, go knock, 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 knock. And that's exactly what it did. And then at that point, I was like, okay, what is this? What am I dealing with here? Because this is just really strange. Um, so at, I think it's at that point I started to wonder, like, what is this? And like when the one ran across the road, when I went back and I was able to see the trees. I'm like, okay, something is smart enough, typically, not that night, but typically it's smart enough to sit back and watch and monitor our road in order to decide when it should go to stay unhit, to stay hidden or stay unseen. And so the more and more I came across it, stuff like that, um, language, you know, Hearing it spoken, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Melba Ketchum. I don't know much about her, but she was doing some DNA study, and it seemed to be some sort of connection to human, but also some unknown stuff that's not known. They were saying um, it was like female human DNA, but the male DNA wasn't human from what I've dug into as far yeah, as that goes. Yeah, 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 that's right. And so the more I got into it, I was like, well, I don't really know what I'm dealing with, what I'm, what I'm looking into right here. Um High, highly intelligent, seems to have a language, um, very good at mimicking animals. Um, but there seems to be different types too, like different tribes of them, different characters. Look, I haven't seen one face-to-face yet, which I think would be awesome from a distance. <laughs> from a distance, I really want to. I, I really want to see their face. And, uh, you know, I've heard so many stories and they say, well, I couldn't shoot it because it looked like a human. Like it just, its face, it was telling me things by the way it was looking at me. Um, so I, I think it'd be cool to see its face. Like, like a prehistoric human is what a lot of people describe it as. Yeah. With the defined brow. Features. Yeah. Just bigger features. Like its mouth is big enough to eat a watermelon, but Hey, it looked like a human. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it could bite my head off, but it looked like a person sort of. Um, so I mean, honestly, if they're more humanistic, uh, that's almost better than be totally animalistic because animals can be so unpredictable. Um, hey, maybe uh, that male that DNA too. component may be linked to something with the giants because what it seems like from a lot of your research, we, we find the bones. So we can't really do like a solid DNA test of what exactly these giants possess as far as their DNA goes. So maybe the component yeah. of what makes a Sasquatch could be a female human mixed with one of these old world giants. And that's what that missing DNA yeah. is for the male part component. I think that's a great point because that's the same. If you do this same study results with the, some of the Paracas skulls down the elongated skulls down in Peru, 
when they did the DNA test, it was like the same thing. The mother's line was human. The father's line was untraceable or unknown. So it's like the same results as with like a squatch um, with Melba's. So seems like the more we get into this conversation, the deeper we're actually making connections unintentionally. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Yeah. So I don't know. There seems to be similarities and, and I don't know. I've, I've heard a lot of um, encounter or encounters where they said, well, the thing had a, the Sasquatch had an elongated head or it looked like it was wearing a hoodie because it's like its head went back. Um, like almost, almost like the ones down in Peru, mm-hmm. like just go straight back and up. And that could you even know? be like a regional thing too, where like people change depending on the region they live in. So maybe the ones in North America, the skulls kind of adapted to be more straight up and be that more spherical skull where then the ones in South yeah. America or maybe a slightly different genetic makeup. So then their heads were pushed back or maybe it has something to do yeah. again with the regions that one's more intended to live in this region and that region. And maybe that the way that their head is shaped yeah. kind of helps depending on like which way you're looking at it. Yeah. Cause they're, they're all different too. Right. I think, I feel like some people say they're different and, I mean, of course, they have uh, legends or encounters. People have them all over the world. Like some in China is like the Chinese one is the Yeren, I think. Um, The Alma is like Russia or something like that. Like these things seem to be all over the place. And you got Yowie in Australia, Yeti in the uh, Himalayas, uh, Skunk Ape, even in, you know, the the swamps and everything. There's even different variations in North America. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it seems to be seems to be like, I don't know about the ones of Florida. For some reason, I think, are they smaller um, or are they not? I've heard stories know. about people encountering them where they say they're just as big as the other ones. Okay. But it seems okay. like more often than not, people do describe them as being a little bit smaller. And people kind of mm-hmm. describe them as being a little bit more like orangutan-like where they have like the longer hair, kind of reddish hair. And it seems like yeah. they're able to project a more intense smell. And as far as like what, no, what I've no. kind of think is that I don't think that the smell is necessarily stink from them being in the woods. I think it's almost like a yeah. deterrent smell. Like they can control how much of a smell they're putting out so that they can kind of yeah. deter people away. But I mean, even just adapting wise, they would have to be tall to live yeah. in the swamps, but they probably wouldn't be structured the same way because rather than being able to climb up a ridge, the intention is they're able to climb through mucky swamps that people aren't typically <laughs> able to move through. So it's differentiating sure. depending on the region to make it adaptable Man, so that it can move what. easily. You know, and then in my research too, there were tri- there were tribes of giants in uh, Florida too. There were. Um, and I want to say that they weren't as large as some of the other places in America going from my memory. Um, so that's kind of interesting too. It's like maybe some of these, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, are we looking at the same thing? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like these ancient bones that were buried. Hey, some of these things, they had trinkets, they had, they had artifacts, they had stone tools. Some of them had copper. Um, they had the stuff cause there's a lot of copper coming down from Michigan like your area mm-hmm. up there, the, like the Michigan mound builders, they were digging out copper from up there. Um, and they probably had trade routes and all kinds of stuff going down throughout all America. But it's just curious that you, you know, mentioned like the skunk ape and then I've, you know, uncovered giants being buried down in Florida too. Like there was a whole race of them down there. 
That might be another really interesting angle to start coming at your research with is uh, as you go farther yeah. on, see what other connections, not only mm -hmm. researching giants, but see if there's also like a Sasquatch connection to the same thing you're looking for as far as giants go. And maybe, you know, you can right. start proving that connection between the yeah. two that we're looking at the same thing, maybe just a descendant of that. <laughs> yeah, they've come, they've gone into hiding more or less of you know, once modern, modern is the modernization of man and all the machinery and stuff like that. Maybe they've gone to the woods. They're like, we're just staying out of this or, or what, or maybe some sort of a judgment or something. Who knows? Like who knows why they're doing what they're doing? If that's what they are. I mean, if all the tribes teamed up to burn the uh, the fire giants in a cave at one point, I mean, after yeah. that, maybe all the ones that were around were like, all right, every tribe just teamed up to take this particular group out. Let's not be associated yeah. with them. Like other ones may not be cannibalistic, but just knowing how a human would think if something yeah. looks a lot like something else, they're going to assume that that thing is also evil too, where, you know, there again, could have been different variations of them. Maybe the red haired ones were known for being cannibalistic and eating people and the other ones weren't, but again, they just didn't want to be associated with them or be attacked just like them. So they just took off into the woods knowing that again, they didn't need yeah. to eat people to survive. So they're like, all right, we don't need to interact with them anyway. Yeah. So let's just stay out of their way. <laughs> we can just dig in the ground for roots and, and eat bugs and, fire ants and whatever else we can eat, eat any meat we can grab or maybe even <laughs> that connects pig. into the stuff in the middle east too where maybe some of these tunnel systems if you go deep down far enough maybe they all start to connect and they never actually killed them when they burned them in that cave they just went into the earth and maybe they live within caverns and things and started oh. coming out and you know that that That's could be where the other connection comes in with like the middle east is because who knows how in depth these things are and if they've had generations and generations and generations to walk through these caves right. they might have been able to connect underground from north america all the way into south into uh like afghanistan for example like who knows who knows because these things are pretty powerful it's like it's hard for us to imagine like well, how can you just dig through rocks and stuff well there we can't really make sense of that because we can't do that, but they can do things that we cannot do. Like they have the strength to do things that we just, this is not even possible. I mean, if you go back to like, what, what do they, what do the high up people really know? Like if you go back to the Disney story of, you know, Merida and, or brave, and you start looking at this quote unquote bear, you know, that used to be a man, um, this giant and they mentioned that he has the strength of 10 men. And so uh, subtly, you know, they say that, and it makes me wonder, it's like, wait, is that, is that how strong these things are? Like, are they, do they have the strength of 10 men? It's possible. It could be all perspective too, that we just associate it with a giant, somebody associated with a giant bear. Cause that was the closest thing they could relate it to. Or the story has been changed through time because rather than saying this is a big Sasquatch being, maybe the powers at will or just people in general just started to change the story to bear. And, right. you know, they're just, it was just a matter of like miscommunication through language. Right, right. Yeah. So I think there's something definitely going on there that we can learn from some of these, some of these children's stories, right? Quote unquote, um, child stories. So like there's, there are things that are written and, you know, put out there today. That's like, there may be some truth in there. That's kind of like being teased at the public 
population. So especially Disney in particular but, so, with all of his connections into Freemasonry, like who knows how in depth their knowledge is. And even past like the occult, they could have a lot of knowledge yeah. on these ancient beings and ancient creatures. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, they probably do. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, if we're figuring stuff out down here, at our end of the spectrum, you know that they probably know more. <laughs> yeah, at years and years and years of nobody hiding information within the group. So who knows where they could right. have expanded to. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. So I don't know. That's crazy stuff, man. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, that, I mean, as far to answer your question about that, that's kind of kind of where I'm at with Sasquatch. Kind of unknown, but just kind of seems like there's so many possibilities <laughs> when you look into them. That's kind of where I'm at. It's hard to give like a definite answer because I say it all the time on the show. One of the signs of intelligence is being able to change your opinion with more information. So that being said, right. like I can ask you today and I can even think about it for myself today, but that doesn't mean my answer is going to be the same in a week because when I'm presented with more information, I'm going to base my opinion on more information and not just try to make something fit the view that I'm already coming at it with. Yeah. I will completely change my opinion with more information instead of trying to make it fit what I was already saying and throwing out information that's unneeded where you see that a lot when it comes to research so that people have their set in stone thing that they want it to be. So they'll take in the information right. that fits that and then they'll throw out all the information that doesn't fit that. But you have to, you have to bring in all the information, even if it's against what you're thinking, because that's, you're never going to get to a right. true answer if you're just trying to stay within your box. If you're trying to make it fit what you want it to be, you know, you're thinking that you think it should be. And so, yeah, you have to keep an open mind. And I think that's, that's good. I like that. I'm glad you brought that up. I just, it makes me, reminds me of like, I was thinking it was this, but as I saw more things like, wait, I have to change my thinking a little bit here because that doesn't match up what I originally thought. So it's like a journey. Mm -hmm. So, but you have to move on the journey. You can't stay in one spot. So it's just like you learn as you go. Exactly. <laughs> This has so, uh, yeah. been an absolutely amazing show, and I would definitely love to have you come back on in the future. I usually try to keep it like two hours or so, so it's a little bit more digestible for the listener. And uh, again, it gives us more opportunity to talk about some stuff in the future, because we could go on for hours yeah. on this. We started off with Giants, got oh, into Sasquatch, sure. and then started connecting them, so we can get into a lot more. <laughs> but I always oh, like yeah, to uh, sure. leave with words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So if there's any words of wisdom you'd like to bestow on the listeners, what would it be? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. You warned me about this and I totally <laughs> forgot about it. And I think I threw all the wisdom I had right out there. So no, <laughs> I don't know. Let me think of, let me think of something I would say. Okay. What I would say if I were asked that, I would say that it's like we were just talking about, I know it sounds funny, but we were just talking about it to keep an open mind. Um, try not to be closed mind minded and, and that's the best way really to go forward in life and to learn. So I think it's great, especially in, in topics like we're, we're looking into is to, to be open-minded because we're all learning. Right. So, and like what, whether it be the giants, whether it be like history that's been hidden from us um, for whatever reasons, or it wasn't always hidden because they were throwing them out in the newspapers in the, you know, in the 19 and uh, late 1800s. Um. So whatever it be, you know, just keep an open mind and realize that not everything you're told is true and that there are, there are other truths out there um, to be discovered or to be acknowledged or just known. So 
go and find the truth for yourself rather than having somebody just tell you what the truth is. Cause you'll never That's right. fully feel comfortable with the truth unless you've seeked it, whatever that word is yourself and yep. found it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Experience it for yourself. I mean, exactly. it's kind of like whatever, like I, you know, just like say wood knocks, for example, like I heard about it, but whenever I, I spent the time out there alone and then I was there and I experienced it. It's like, okay, those people weren't lying you know, wherever I had heard it. Right. So like with anything, yeah, seek it out yourself and experience it for yourself, whether you're not that way you can know it's true or not. So. And uh, for anybody that's enjoyed this conversation, which I assume that they did, uh, why don't you let them know where they can come and find all of your work so they can keep digging into what you do. Okay. So go to Instagram.com and go to giants underscore of underscore ancient America. Ancient America is one word. And you can find me there or you can go to Facebook under the same word and you'll just find lots of cool stuff, lots of cool uh, articles. Um, Sometimes they're not giants. Sometimes they don't mention the height, but they'll mention things like about mound builders or like the size of their skull or the jawbone because some of the things that they deteriorated the other bones. But I try to keep it just strictly giants on that because that's what I'm focused on. So just to, to bring that into light and almost like reteach history. So that had never been taught to us. Absolutely awesome, man. I, I appreciate you making the time to come on today and I appreciate you having this awesome conversation with me. And I'm really, really looking forward to the next time we get to do this. Yeah, me too, man. I enjoyed it. I appreciate you reaching out. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to uh, leave that five-star rating. Definitely appreciate it. Uh, if any of you guys want to get a hold of me for any reason whatsoever, be it being a guest on the show, you guys want to have a conversation, anything, don't hesitate. Uh, get a hold of me. You guys can get a hold of me through Instagram. Uh, you guys can also email me at increaseofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. Or you can go to the link tree and fill out the submission form up at the top, and that will go to directly to my email. Everything that I've mentioned, all available under the link tree, which is L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash increase of our reality podcast. And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.